Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals, on ESPN Honolulu. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> They're celebrating Taco Tuesday today. Not Taco Tuesday, Taco Tuesday at Dixie Grill and IAEA because, well, they'll tuck anything into a, you know, into a, a, a taco over there. Well, good morning. Top headlines uh, here locally today. Uh, first of all, the HHSAA Division I Boys Basketball State Championship is going on. Kailua, uh, big time over Lahaina Luna, 82-53. to all-world, Jonathan Philbrick for uh, the Surfers scores 24 points. Noah Donnelly added 15, and Maddox Pung had 11 for Kailua. Uh, also, Marino big time over Lelehua, 56-37. to 37. And uh, in boys' soccer, that's also going on. Um, King K. Kaulike beat the Na'ali'i 5-1. to one. Uh, let's see, Punahou beat Kapole 2 to nothing. Waikea over Kaiser in double overtime on the Big Island. And uh, Kalani beat Kailua, or, yeah, defeated Kailua. And I don't have a score. I believe it was 1-0 for the Falcons. Nationally, uh, LeBron James is looking to break the record with 36 points. Uh, in the NBA. Who are the uh, Lakers going to be playing? They play Oklahoma City tonight at home, and the Lakers, I think, can control kind of the outcome, and LeBron as well, if he breaks the record or not. If he's close to it, give him more shots, give him more minutes, which makes me wonder about how the fans feel about this. Their fans are paying top, top dollar for the seats for tonight and Thursday night, uh, if it comes to Thursday night. And boy, if you miss out on it tonight, you're paying a lot of money just to see him get closer. Yeah, you're paying for it's a premium ticket to see uh, Oklahoma City play, I guess. Uh, uh, what if he gets like 35 points tonight? That's what I think would be fitting. The fans tonight at least get to see him tie the record, and then the fans on Thursday night will get to see him break it. So that way they both get a little bit of a history to witness in person because I think they'd be pretty disappointed paying that money not to get it, and uh, vice versa. If he breaks it tonight, and he doesn't break it on Thursday against Milwaukee at home, fans are going to feel pretty bad about that. I'm sure the tickets will be sold for a lot less if he breaks it tonight. But that's going to be interesting to follow tonight and Thursday. All right, and uh, University of Hawaii football uh, spring practice one day into the books. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's still early, but we hear about the quarterback, Timmy Chang, taking a more active role in the quarterback room on the field and seeing Stephen Tsai's article today in the Star Advertiser how Dan Morrison had worked out for three days in Dallas uh, during winter break with Brayden Shager to hopefully work on his drops and uh, hopefully help him get acclimated to the run and shoot. So that's a positive step, I think. 
Yeah, uh, I I saw some clips of practice yesterday. I know Hunter Hughes uh, from our new show off the bench in the afternoon. Hunter Hughes was down there watching practice yesterday and said the quarterbacks look pretty impressive. I'm just kind of summarizing his thoughts. But I, I saw on those watching uh, KHON2 last night, and boy, is it just me or does Shager look like he put on about 20 pounds? Good pounds. And he just looks a little bit more solid. And you can see, and you can tell a guy has all that confidence because he keeps pushing his sleeves up on his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks like uh, uh, Shager put on some uh, some good weight there. Yeah, hopefully it'll help him, and hopefully he'll get really into the running shoot like Timmy and Dan Morris and all the help he can get. I think will help his cause. And you know, I was wondering going into the season. I mean, we haven't gotten into the season yet, but is Shager still the guy? He had the last season, of course, as number one. Right now, it appears he he is, and of course, he should be with all the experience he has. I do wonder, come September or late August, if he'll still be number one. But right now, looks like they have all the faith of the world in him. Well, yeah. I mean, he's the he's the returning starting quarterback. Rob Demello uh, last night reported him as uh, being the number one guy coming into camp. I mean, why would he not be? Oh, I mean, he should he should be. He definitely should be. Again, I'm just, you know, just with everything they're saying, they're saying the positive things, and again, talking about how he looks now and people he's worked with, uh, hopefully he'll stay that way. I, I know some people last year are hoping there would be a new quarterback that would maybe take over that spot, but it should be his as of now, and hopefully he'll do enough to keep it. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about the other guys, so I really can't comment on that, but you know, one thing that Coach Timmy's uh, said the last couple of days is, and uh, I believe he said this to Kanoa Leahy on his radio show yesterday, is that, you know, there was a lot of improvement as the season went on. I mean, this football team, it's not the record they wanted, but this football team was a lot better, as you would hope, but was a lot better, um, you know, in the last couple of games in the season than the first couple of games for sure. And I think they really kind of lost their identity a little bit um offensively um timmy chang has been away and he was asked about the run and shoot earlier in the season on a call the coach show and he, he said that you know hey you know what i i, I you know had had success with call the coach but i've also coached and have success with other offenses well he came to the conclusion that and you heard it on whether it was the radio or television and or in the newspaper that uh you know what this is a run and shoot type of state you know we, this is what we do here a lot of the uh, high school teams in Hawaii run, you know, like a run-and-shoot type offense. Um, you know, St. Louis is being, of course, uh, you know, one of them. But a lot of people run the run-and-shoot, and people are, this is a run-and-shoot type of state. So I thought that was kind of cool and interesting that, hey, we're kind of going back to our roots. This is what we do. In Navy, they run the triple option. That's what they've always kind of done uh, in the past for a long time because of their coach, obviously, but Georgia Tech ran the triple option. That's what they did. But Hawaii, no matter who the coach is, it always somehow comes back to the run and shoot, which I think Hawaii fans don't mind about at all. So I think we're in the, the, we got the right mindset going into this season. I'm curious about having such an early start that um, if that's a good thing, a bad thing, or it doesn't matter. Time will tell. I don't think it should matter that much. If you're not practicing on February 7th, you'd be practicing on March 7th, 10th, 15th, right in there. So it's only a month earlier. When you have the season starting four or five months later, I don't think, and I would hope the early start should make a difference. You know, I, what I like about it is the fact that, okay, you can start and end early, but I think the education goes on because this is kind of like um, 
for a little while at least when, say, Bob Nash was the basketball coach, he was so beloved that people were coming out of the woodwork trying to help out, trying to help him scout. It got this one guy over here. Maybe players coming to help out, uh, some of his former players that he coached coming to help out at practice. And we see the same thing with the University of Hawaii. It's a lot easier to, what's the old saying? It's a lot easier to win them over with honey than vinegar or something like that. You know, you didn't see a bunch of people stepping forward going, hey, Coach Graham, how can I help? Coach Chow, what can I do to help the program? You know, you have all kinds of alumni reaching out to Timmy Chang, and it's probably kind of the kind of the person he is. You know, just observe Timmy Chang in, in public. He's always got a time to shake somebody's hand, you know, to, to say hi to somebody. He'll remember your face if you – he's the kind of guy – he's like Pal Eldridge. You'll meet him once, and the guy will remember you for the rest of your life. Brada Iz was like that, you know, not surprisingly, but Brada Iz was like that too. He would just, you'd meet him once and he'd have to show aloha for you, and five years later you you run into him and he'd say, hey, how you doing? Timmy Chang's a, that kind of guy, so people just kind of, um, they just kind of rally around him and support him. And I find that incredibly must be incredibly difficult to do, although it comes naturally to him, because you got to concentrate on football. There's a lot of coaches that they don't want anything to do with the media, not necessarily. They're appreciative of the fans, I'm sure, but they're not going to go out of their way to go up and and and, and tap somebody on the shoulder they see at the supermarket to say hi. Uh, Timmy Chang's the opposite. Coach Mack would was a friendly guy, was a fun guy, but he didn't know anybody's name. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. He'd have somebody, what's that guy's name again? Charlie. Hey, Charlie, how are you? Your mother? You know, not to say it was fake, but it, it, it wasn't something that Coach Mack was all about. Coach Chang's all about the people, the fans, the culture, and it's not fake. So you have people gravitating towards this program trying to help out. You have a couple of players uh, locally from high schools that I don't think that you would uh, would have stayed home, that have stayed home in this recruiting period. And so what I'm getting at is you have a lot of people helping out. So you're going to be done with practice in a few months. Uh, you're going to have a few months till the, you know, you know, summer practice, I guess they call it. Regular practice starts, fall practice, which will be in the summer, which doesn't make sense. But with um, you, you got guys like um, Chad Owens. His son's on the team. Chad's going to go, just go on down and work out with the guys. You have it's a unique situation. Uh, your team pastor is going to be working out and, and helping these kids learn the run and shoot. I mean, you you, you said it. You, you know, traveling to Dallas in the uh, off season and uh, meeting with Coach Morrison. You know, people are just June Jones. Uh, you know, helping out Coach Chang. It, it, it it's pretty amazing. When they say it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to uh, raise this uh, football program, and it's definitely being raised up. And that's why, I mean, we're one day into spring practice, but a lot of sports fans are, um, a lot of sports fans just uh, totally keyed on this University of Hawaii football team. You know, when you said about the alumni former players helping out, 
They tried it last time. They tried it with Todd Graham. Uh, he just didn't want it. He wouldn't accept it. He did oh, not really? want those players. I didn't yeah, hear about that. Of, what do you mean? What well, happened? There of, well, there was a lot of stories about former players and alumni wanting to help out, wanting to be involved with the team, and he really wanted no part of that. We've heard numerous stories about players that felt like he just uh, didn't, wow. didn't respect the past or those players and uh, wanted to do things his way, and we see how that worked out. And you, that, I think that's even more so why they wanted to help Timmy. He's Timmy, and we all know about him, as you just said, and also the fact that they were not really welcomed back with open arms by Todd Graham. I think even more so they want to help out now, which is perfectly fitting and great. Mm, wow, that's that's kind of a I didn't I, I don't remember that. That's so you're like, oh, hey, coach, want to come by and help out? Nah, that's okay. Or you don't get a phone call back or something. That's, that's Re- brutal. Remember, probably about two years ago, it was. Now we had Rocky Savi and I on our show, and he was telling those stories. He they he and former players really uh, wanted to help in any way they could. They reached out, and they were basically uh, said thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, it was unfortunate because I think they could have made a difference in some of the things that didn't work out well for Todd Graham. I saw the other day there was a, a defensive coordinator hired in the NFL or a defensive assistant coach, and his name was Todd Grantham. And I thought for a second it was Todd Graham. Maybe it was a typo, but there is a, apparently a defensive coach named Todd Grantham, and uh, it was not the one and only Todd Graham. Hey, Fred Von Oppen coached at the Giants, you know. It's not that yeah, the guy can't yeah. coach. The guy's yeah. just not uh, real good with people. <laughs> right. All right, it's uh, quarter after six with the sports animals on this uh, Taco Tuesday. Weather today, partly cloudy and windy. Uh, trades at, uh, we've got some gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Not as bad today as it's going to be the next few days afterwards. 50% chance of rain today. So uh, bring 50% of an umbrella to work and uh, we'll check your traffic and be back with some Laker talk with Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, we got some giveaways a little later on this morning. Remember, every time you win this week, you'll also be qualified to win two tickets to see the Hall of Famer, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, March 18th at the Waikiki Shell. It could be some history tonight with a future Hall of Famer in L.A. at Cryptocom Arena, as it is called. Now joining us now on ESPN, Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's the host of the Lakers Nation and Front Office Show podcast. Trevor Lane back with us. Trevor, what is the top dollar ticket you have heard going for tonight's game against Oklahoma City for L.A.? Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be potentially a, a historic night. Uh, LeBron's got to put up 36 points, which is maybe a little bit of a high high bar to clear, but if he can get it done, I mean, this is a record that uh, for a while there, a lot of us thought was never going to fall. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's points record, absolutely incredible. And uh, and the fact that it ha- could happen this evening, oh boy, that's uh, those ticket prices are going through the roof at this point. I would think in, in somewhat, somewhat that the Lakers and LeBron can control that a little bit. If he's getting, let's say, 31 or 32 midway through the fourth quarter, I guess depending on how the game plays out, but they could maybe see him play more, have him play more minutes, maybe take a few more shots to get it. I mean, you think there's anything with that as far as the fans are concerned, especially because ticket prices for tonight and Thursday versus Milwaukee are both going crazy, as you said, but I wonder how much they have as far as control of the situation. 
Yeah, I, I mean, my sense is the the team isn't going to worry about about it too much. They're gonna, just going to go out there and play the game. And if, you know, LeBron has games where he goes for forty. That's certainly possible. Um, and if it happens, it, it happens. I don't think they're going to try to force it and and make it happen, uh, especially with the next game being a home game as well against the Bucks. I think there is some benefit to it happening at home in Los Angeles, but with two games in a row at home, there's a good chance if it doesn't happen tonight, it's happening in the next game. So um, I don't think they're going to try to to force it, particularly if the game is on the line. Now, maybe if the Lakers are are behind by a lot or up by a lot or something like that, maybe he takes a few extra shots. But otherwise, I I believe they're going to focus on winning the game first and foremost, and then the record will fall whenever, whenever it falls. Whenever he breaks it, and we know it'll be tonight, pretty certain that it'll happen either tonight or Thursday at home. Has the NBA said or have the Lakers said, are they going to stop the game and have some kind of ceremony, or is that going to take place maybe later on? Yeah, I would imagine they're going to. I haven't heard anything specific on on that, but typically with these types of of moments, they do stop the game. Usually you wait for a a stoppage in play. Uh, We'll see if they they do that in this scenario or not. But I would imagine, yeah, they'll they'll stop the game, and they will – do something for LeBron in, in this situation. My, what's curious, though, is, you know, 36 points, most likely in order to hit that, we're talking about it's probably going to be towards the end of the game. If this is a close game, and you know, there's, you're in the waning seconds, do you stop at that point? It, it, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they really play this out um, if it does indeed happen tonight. And from what I understand, Trevor Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is expected to be in attendance tonight and or Thursday? Uh, yes, yeah, he should be there. He should be in attendance, and um, and again, he'll be. I, I think excited to see to see the record ultimately fall. Um, you know, nobody wants to necessarily see their their record broken, but from what we've heard, Kareem's not uh, not too disappointed with with this one, particularly with with LeBron getting this done. Can you maybe expand a little bit on their relationship, if they have one? I know at times there's been a back and forth through social media between Jabbar and LeBron. Or can you explain a little bit about their relationship if they do have one? Yeah, um, so Kareem and LeBron, they don't always see eye to eye in terms of how they approach things. And, and Kareem is not one to hold back on, on saying what he thinks about anybody. He has his own substack, and he, he goes into his thoughts on a lot of different topics. Um, but from from my understanding, Kareem still has a great deal of respect for LeBron and, and vice versa. Even if you know the, people don't always have to agree on everything, particularly in terms of their worldview and how they they see everything. And so, even if even if they might disagree on a few things, there's still tremendous respect for each other as as players and as people. And so, I don't, I don't think there's any ill will or, or animosity there between the two of them. Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com, also the front office show podcast, joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. I know that uh, LeBron did an interview with Michael Wilbon. I'm not sure if it's played yet, but seeing some of the excerpts from that, he was talking about his disappointment because the other big news going around L.A. is that they were very hopeful in getting Kyrie Irving didn't work out. He wasn't happy with that. His tweet the other day said, maybe it's me. How disappointing is it for the Lakers not to be able to get Kyrie at least for now? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly disappointing in the sense that, you know, Rob Palenka talked about over the summer that, hey, if they, if they have an opportunity to use their assets to go get a piece that could help them potentially win a championship, which I think a lot of people would put Kyrie in that, that category, that they would do so, that they would, would give up whatever it was going to take in order to do that. And it just wasn't able to, to come to fruition. Uh, LeBron's interview sounded like he was, was sort of understanding that, hey, the, you know, the Lakers did what they could. They offered up what they could in order to try to get this done and it didn't happen. And so now he's refocusing on, 
the team and the group that they've got right now, and he said that he feels like this team can uh, can do something here in the postseason, assuming they can they can get there. Um, and he's not wrong. This team's not been far off from from being a very competitive team in the Western Conference. We're talking about how tight the West is. There are a few games from being like a five seed right now. Right. So um, so LeBron just put out the message that hey, you know, he's not he's he's not upset. He's gonna just just refocus on the team and and see what happens and and go from there. And I thought that was important to put that message out there because that was the the assumption was that uh oh, you know, now LeBron's gonna be really mad at the Lakers, and I think he kind of got ahead of of all of that. And it seemed like it wasn't anything on L.A. side from what I'm reading back east is that Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, just didn't want to help Kyrie out and trade him to the team of his choice. So that's the main reason he told the Nets, try not to trade him, but don't trade him to L.A. So it wasn't anything on L.A. side. Now, we still have the trade deadline. It's about 48 hours or so away from now. What have you heard? Are there any other possible trades in the works? And every time we hear about a trade, it usually, at least the rumors involve Russell Westbrook. Yeah, there there definitely been been talks with Russell Westbrook. There have been talks with the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Toronto Raptors have been another team that's been mentioned. The Charlotte Hornets. The Lakers are going to try to still find a move ahead of the trade deadline. Maybe a couple of moves, and that's what what we're hearing right now is that this could be a multiple move deadline. Now that doesn't mean that's definitely going to happen because you never know how these negotiations are going to play out. What the Lakers are looking at is a Russell Westbrook trade, as well as options with a trade that would see. Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker go out as a combination. That would be about $18 million in salary, Russell Westbrook being $47 million in salary going out. So that's what they're looking at, those two things. Um, the question is, what does it cost to move Russell Westbrook off the roster? Are teams still demanding a first-round pick just for the Lakers to trade him away? And then more if they're sending anything back. That could make it a Russell Westbrook trade particularly difficult. And then from there, what can you get enough? in terms of bang for your buck, in terms of players that can really move the needle to make it worth giving up those first-round picks now rather than hold on to them until, say, the summer. And then, of course, LeBron with the clock ticking and all of that, being 38 years old, that gets wrapped up into that, into that discussion as well. I saw something earlier today, I wonder if there's anything to this, that the Miami Heat have interest in Russell Westbrook, maybe in a buyout situation. Is there any chance the Lakers go that route, or would it have to be a trade or nothing else? Yeah, it would have to. It would have to be a trade. I don't, the Lakers aren't going to buy out Russell Westbrook. What would happen is if Russell Westbrook was traded to a team like, say, the Utah Jazz, or uh, or if it was a, a team that isn't in trying to win right now, or whatever. Most teams that are trading for Russell are not necessarily trading for him to play him. They're, they would trade for him as an expiring contract, mm. and then they would buy him out, and then he would be able to, to sign wherever he wants. I think where the Heat would have interest is should that happen, say he gets traded to Utah. And, and the Jazz buy him out, then he's a free agent, would probably sign somewhere as a veteran minimum guy. That's typically where these, these buyout signings do because he's still getting paid on his previous contract. Um, then a team like Miami would have interest in, in picking him up. I don't think that he would have interest in necessarily trading for him um, unless maybe they're shedding some long-term salaries or something like that, like a Duncan Robinson or whatever. But I'd have to imagine that it, their, their main interest would be on the buyout market. Now, I haven't heard this rumor, but I'm just wondering, trying to put two and two together, with the talk about the Phoenix Suns not being exactly enamored with Chris Paul these days, LeBron being very close with Chris Paul, do you think that is at all a possibility that Phoenix moves Chris Paul to L.A.? Yeah, I don't know that they, that they would do it. See, what would have to happen, because I don't think Phoenix would have a lot of interest in Russell West, Westbrook, so it would be similar to the Kyrie situation in Brooklyn, where essentially the Lakers, what they would have to do is find a third team 
that has players that the Suns would want or that in, in the previous situation the Nets would want and send Russell Westbrook to that team plus draft capital, have that team send those things to the Phoenix Suns. And, of course, being Pacific Division rivals and, and all of that complicates things that much further. But the Phoenix Suns, they're a team that's looking to win right now, and I don't think many teams see Russell Westbrook as a win-right-now piece. So unless they're moving off significant long-term salary, they're going to want um, they're going to want players that they feel can come in and help them immediately in any kind of a deal that would send out Chris Paul. I think that's why they were looking at, at Kyrie Irving. They feel like he could come in and really help them in the present. So in any type of deal like that, I would think it would have to be, at the very least, a three-team trade because I, I just don't see Phoenix having much interest in Russell Westbrook, the player, at the moment. There's been so much talk, Trevor, about LeBron and Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis and his health. What about Darvin Ham, the rookie head coach for L.A.? What is your evaluation on how he has done so far? Yeah, he's come, come under quite a bit of fire over the, the last few days here. The Lakers' last game against the Pelicans, there has been a lot of talk about did he mismanage things in the fourth quarter, a lot of questions about putting Patrick Beverly on, on Brandon Ingram, despite there being a significant uh, size disadvantage there. Ingram goes and scores 35 points. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, about mistakes that Darvin Ham has potentially made, but everything we've heard from the Lakers themselves has been that they're still very, very happy with Darvin Ham. They understand that there would be some bumps in the road with the rookie head coach, and, uh, and they're very optimistic going forward. Look, they, were, they were thrilled to land him last summer. They gave him that four-year contract. I don't think that's changing anytime soon, but among Lakers fans, the, there are more and more questions being asked about Darvin Ham and about the decisions that he's made and whether he's cost them some games this season. It's something to keep an eye on, but I don't think it, it's, we're anywhere close to Darvin Ham being on the hot seat or, or anything of that nature. Sure. Well, the big news, of course, obviously, is LeBron getting that record, whether it's tonight or Thursday. I have a feeling it'll be one of those two nights history in the making. Trevor, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking Lakers basketball. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Happy to do it. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. All right, thank you. Trevor Lane, he is with the Front Office Show podcast on LakersNation.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. All right. Hey, uh, you know, the big game is coming up. A lot of folks watching football, and uh, maybe there's some adult beverages flowing. If you're feeling a little buzzed, recognize your personal warning signs and call for a ride to get home. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Once again, partly cloudy and windy today. Got a few scattered showers, a little bit coming down here in the 96701. Going to be breezy today, uh, so uh, keep that in mind in your travels. It's uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the sports animals in the morning, and uh, talking a lot of uh, NBA a few minutes ago, but we really should be talking about pasta today because it's National Fettuccine Alfredo Day, huh? One, Who would have thought you mixed up noodles, cheese, and butter all together? It's so healthy. It's, it's so one healthy. of my favorite dishes of all time until I read 20, 30 years ago that it's one of the worst meals you can eat as far sure. as the fat content. So I only have it maybe once every couple of years, but boy, is it good. Yeah. All right. Well, good morning. I uh, hope you have a good breakfast. Maybe some fettuccine Alfredo <laughs> for yeah. uh, breakfast. Breakfast of champions. Today. 
Yeah, it is the breakfast of champions. The uh, So the trade deadline, when is it again? Thursday. I believe it's at 10 a.m. Hawaii time, but it's Thursday morning. So are people like DeMar DeRozan and uh, my, my good friend Freddie, Freddie Van Vliet, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyle Kuzma, these guys are going to be traded? Well, Fred Van Vliet, so I think it's a good chance because if Toronto's in last place, and I believe his contract is up, and so there's a good ta- there's a good chance he'll get moved somewhere. Kyle Kuzma teams want, like the Lakers, ironically. Washington is yeah. saying they're not looking to trade him. The one thing that I think is going to be fun to watch for the next several hours is the Nets said they're going to have the, uh, the decision, so to speak, on Kevin Durant's future in Brooklyn announced today whether he's staying or whether they try to move him. Because with a trade deadline and no Kyrie, maybe they do want to move him, just blow this whole thing up even more. Or is he going to be there long term? But they'll they'll announce something supposedly uh, the next several hours. That's the second time the Brooklyn Nets have tried to make some kind of super team and it's just fallen flat on their face. Yep, you're right. You know, it just, you know, I heard a question posed on the radio yesterday. Does this, with Kyrie Irving, you know, leaving does this it breaks up you know your big three um but is this the end of the big three era in the nba rarely does it ever work on paper it seems like this is a great thing to do we'll get the best point guard and we'll get the best big man and we'll get the best uh shooting guard and we'll put these super teams together and win championships or do you just go like, well, you know what, maybe we'll get one, you know, here's a free agent that fits in what we do with our philosophy and the rest of our team. Nobody seems to do that. I think maybe the Phoenix Suns in, in going out and getting, um, uh, oh, gosh, what's the point? Chris Paul. <laughs> Chris Paul. I think that kind of makes sense. He kind of fits in everything. He's a, he's a leader. Uh, a lot of young players around him. But I don't know, just getting three random superstars together, how many times does that win you a championship? It worked in Miami. Two out of four years they won, and the other two they lost in the final. And I, I, I agree okay, with so your point. So who are the, in Miami the super the Dwayne the Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron. Right, okay, so it worked a couple of times. They also lost a couple of times. But really, since they started doing this with the Boston Celtics back in the day, how many big threes have won NBA championships? Well, the Celtics did it, as you said. And now, Golden State kind of, because they won before no. Durant, but they got Durant and kept on winning. That was just one guy. I'm talking about putting together, mm-hmm. taking three guys and going, hey, let's all meet up and then join forces together. They've won three championships in, what, the last 15 years? Who, who, the Golden State or the teams together all, overall? No, big three teams. Manufactured big three okay. teams. But, but I don't think there's been any other manufactured big three teams besides those. But people are going out and trying to put together big threes. Big threes don't work. It doesn't happen every year. I, I know that. But how many big three plans has James Harden been a part of before he split, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you, if you want to have a big three, you've got to get guys that work together and that fit together. Let's make a big three. We'll get Russell Westbrook to join LeBron James and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles. How did that work out? Well, it didn't. No. They would have, they would have been so much better by sticking with Randall and, and, Clark, and Clarkson and Kuzma and that, that team that the Lakers had with uh, Lamar. Not, is it Lamar? Which ball? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo. <laughs> Lonzo Ball, Lamar Ball. Lonzo Ball. I mean, if you, kept that, if you weren't greedy and you kept that team together, 
you would be chasing championships today. They won one but though. No. They did win one What's when that? they got when they got Anthony Davis for all those guys. They did win one, but that was the bubble year. I think that was a little asterisk kind of deal. With Whatever that. it was, it, they, they, they won one. Is I don't think that was the plan. No, it wasn't a plan just to win one. But I mean, they, I, I, I agree with your point though. I, I think there's been a lot of big twos. I think. To me, when I look at that situation, it's just really hard because you can put together a big three, but there's so many really good teams in the NBA that it doesn't guarantee anything. It just right. doesn't. It's just too much talent or, spread around. How about you just build a team? How about you, uh, yeah. you, 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 you follow Howie Roseman's example in the NFL? Just build a team. Do it. Draft well. <laughs> Golden State did it. That's exactly. how they did it. Just draft well. Maybe you make a trade here and there. But when you sit down and go, okay, let's blow up this young team because we have a chance to get an aging LeBron James. LeBron James was always injury-free, it seemed, until he got to the Lakers. Yeah. Until he got to be about 35 years old. Just 100 games there so far. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, there you go. There's your investment. Lakers fans, they didn't even want him anyway. No, but they... uh, Lakers fans, they didn't didn't want Russell Westbrook. But remember when they... That's not Lakers basketball. The Lakers went out and drafted Magic Johnson. They traded to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the day, but most of those, the, most of their, the, the star Lakers are born and raised Lakers. Yep, yep. And, and they got caught, uh, Genie Bus got caught up in the hype. Okay, let me get Anthony Davis over here. Let me. Get, that's not Laker basketball. You're not the Lakers because of free agency. You're Jerry right. West, Jerry West, and and Gail Goodrich. I know I'm talking a different era. But, um, but you're you right. Know, you're guys, right about that. I think just basketball has changed over the years, and they were just desperate because they were struggling. They weren't even making the playoffs before LeBron, so they had to make a splash, and they did. But it got them one why? title. Why did they have to make a splash? They had a good young team. Uh, they had uh, what's his name? The well, um, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. The the other guy. Ah, uh, gosh, they drafted him like number two overall. Lonzo Ball. No, another one, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Okay, yeah. Brandon another Ingram. Really good, I mean, yeah. think think about these think about these guys they had, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, LeBron's available, and LeBron is choosing us." They didn't choose LeBron. LeBron says, "Genie, I think I want to be a Laker." Oh, okay, okay, come <laughs> on, we'll give it. We'll do anyone. You, we'll get anyone you want. You want Russell Westbrook? Okay, we'll go get him. <laughs> you know, I mean that. That's exactly. It's like how do you, how you just, I don't know. Good luck. And I used to be a huge Lakers fan. I think all of us were, or a lot of many people are, here in Hawaii. It's probably Hawaii's favorite basketball team. Still, are the Lakers? It's just disappointing to watch. So with Kyrie Irving leaving, the question is: Is this the end of the big three? I don't think necessarily so because one thing to watch is does Kyrie Irving's an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. He could go to L.A. on July 1st. If he really wants to play with LeBron, now the money might come into play. Does he want that four-year, $198 million deal? Is Dallas going to give him $50 million a year? Maybe. Maybe he turns it down. So, but he ha- it's his choice. If he really wants to be a Laker and play with LeBron again and form another big three that could work, that should work better than Russell Westbrook with them. He can do that July in July. How are you going to pay those four guys on the Lakers? Well, well who's the fourth? Russell Westbrook is a free agent. He's gone. Oh, he's gone. On he's a July free agent. 1st. That's that's why okay. you want to trade him because gotcha. it's an expiring contract. Somebody go. Right. Nobody wants to pay him forty-five billion dollars right now, but it's an expiring so deal. So let's get let's get 
Kyrie Irving to join LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Let's go make the same mistake we just made with Russell Westbrook. Oh, sure, it's a different player, and they've won a championship together. But let's hope that uh, let's hope that Kyrie Irving stays. Let's hope that he behaves himself. Mm. Oh, let's, yeah. let's you know that's a there's a reason the Brooklyn Nets didn't want to sign him again. There's a because they know him better than anybody else. So you're you're the Lakers going? Oh, I don't care. I don't care if he's only here half the time. Well, we want him. Uh, They'd be desperate for him. They want to make. They want to win a championship again. And right now, they're not close with Kyrie Irving. It really improved the chance. But you're right. I agree with you. The Lakers know that it's a risk. You're going to give him fifty. Here's fifty million dollars, and depending if you, you know, hopefully you show up for work. We know you're cashing the checks, and you know we'd appreciate if if you don't mind, Kyrie. Could you come to work once in a while? Could you come to play? Oh, no, somebody up. Oh, no, the equipment manager hurt your feelings and you're gone for a week? That's what you're dealing with. Even what's their coach's name for the, uh, the Darvin Nets? Ham for the Lakers. Is that the guy? No, the Nets. The Nets. Oh, for the Nets, is Jock Vaughn right now. Jock Vaughn. Vaughn comes out and says, yeah, the guy's immature. I have to talk to him. And do and, and you read that article at ESPN.com? I had to teach him. You know, I'm trying to teach him to grow up. That's what he spent his time doing. So whoever you are, whoever the coach is or whatever, here's your job. Coach a basketball team, win a championship, and help Kyrie Irving at this late age, uh, late stage in his life to actually grow up. What a... Hey, it's risk versus reward. And the thing, on the court, he may be the best point guard in the league, but you have to deal with all that baggage. You do. And the Nets mm-hmm. tried How and tried How many championships and tried. in the last three and a half years of the Brooklyn Nets won? So I'm just going off of, you know, recent success. How many championships in the last three and a half years have the Brooklyn Nets won? Zip, zilch, zippo. How many championships have the Brooklyn Nets even come close to in the last three and a half years? Zip, zilch, zippo. Case closed. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart The Super Bowl ads, if you're if you had an extra like seven million dollars lying around, uh, the Super Bowl ads are sold out. I remember when we were like, it's crazy. Super Bowl ads are two and a half million dollars each. Why would you spend that much money? Well, now there's seven million dollars. And it's not like the ads are getting better. But uh, yeah, uh, they're sold out of Super Bowl ads. All sold out. So I guess uh, what they're reporting is uh, um, alcohol spots. Uh, you'll see a lot of those this year, a lot of alcohol commercials. You'll see a lot of snack ads like Doritos and Pringles and Popcorners. I'm not familiar with the Popcorner. Are you familiar with the Popcorner, GD? No, no. I mean, Doritos, of course, one of my yeah. favorites. Uh, streaming services, automakers, tech companies also forking over big bucks. Uh, let's see. Crypto companies, they're out this year. <laughs> After that big scandal with was it FTX I believe and the Tom yeah. Brady deal and all that I can understand that. What about that poor guy? What was it? Wasn't there like one or two uh, football players like pay me half of my salary in crypto? Well, that was a gamble. Gosh, poor <laughs> yeah. guy. Uh, by the way, speaking of the uh, Super Bowl, uh, this you probably heard about this yesterday or even over the weekend. They've uh, created a petition to have the Kelsey brothers' mom. Do the Super Bowl coin toss. Wouldn't that make sense? 
Wouldn't that make sense? Actually, it would, but who started sure. the petition? I don't know. Fans. These fans. Everything can go viral nowadays, and it's such a great idea. It's uh, picking up uh, steam like, uh, you know, it's pick, it's, it's uh, like wildflowers. She was actually a participant at opening night with the media st- deal last night. Yeah. I mean, she's well, become a little because, bit of a celebrity. Well, because people want to ask her what it's like. Uh, the, the Harbaugh's, or like you used to call them, the Harbaugh's, the Harbaugh's parents, they were all over the news leading up to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl Sunday. Right, Because right. both of their sons were coaching. People are interested in what they have to say. But she's so she's so precious and cute, the mom, that you want it, you know, people can't get enough of her. Now the dad's like probably like, Oh, come nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, but, I wonder why. Well, the mom's she's look at her, she's just a precious, nice lady. And so anyway, I mean I think it, it makes sense to have her at least out there. She's not gonna actually flip the coin, introduce her to the crowd. In her half Kansas City, half Philadelphia jersey that she be uh, undoubtedly wearing. Why not? Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I would, uh, yeah. You know, they were uh, interviewing um, um, Jason Kelsey uh, on the NFL Network. Um, uh, Michael Irving was walking around interviewing a bunch of people, and he was uh, interviewing and asked uh, if you know he's going to be. You know, still brother have brotherly love for Travis, his brother, in this week, or you, you know, or is he the enemy? He said, "Ah, we'll probably get together with our parents, but uh, yeah, he's pretty much the enemy, in a nutshell." Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. At least for Sunday, yes. <laughs> I, I was seeing a uh, story where they said, "How how are they as kids?" And they said they used to fight all the time, Travis and Jason. And Jason won every fight except for the last one, according to Travis. Uh, but uh, I guess Jason got the better of him. But that's still, I mean, what, what are the odds of that happening? I mean, it's, it's such a cool story that, I mean, who knows if it'll ever happen again. So I can understand them building that up big time. Well, I'd love to see, you know, the San Francisco 49ers and the San Diego Chargers. And the Bosa parents would be, you know, they'd be wearing. Or the, the L.A. Chargers. Or the L.A. Chargers. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But the Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that would there's an opportunity there. Yeah, that's true. You know, all the all the Watts play on one team, so that's not going to happen. Now with JJ gone, unfortunately, yeah. But I mean, it's still. I mean, it's such a rare occurrence, obviously. But that, yeah, the Bosa's, I guess, do have a chance. I mean, you would think they're both playoff teams, and that maybe it's the next possibility. But I mean, it, it, it is a cool story, so I'm glad they're playing that up. It's going to be fun. Somebody's going to be super happy. So at least the mother doesn't lose. But again. Somebody's going to be needing uh, some, you know, consoling after the game because they're not going to feel too good. Well, and they both have Super Bowl rings, so it's, you know, one will get an additional one and one will still be a Super Bowl winner. Top stories coming up next with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. We'll have another traffic update in about uh, 15 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Aaron Schatz from footballoutsiders.com talking the Super Bowl with us coming up. Oh, in about 20 minutes. No relation to Brian Schatz, although there may be. We'll ask him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. LeBron James uh, looking for uh, 36 points tonight to be the all-time, all-time points leader in the NBA. Yeah, we you know, we had Trevor Lane on last hour from Lakers Nation, and 
when you think about that, he brought up a good point. If he's going to break the record tonight, you would think it's going to be in the fourth quarter of the game. Because 35 or 36, he's probably not going to get in three quarters. And if it's a close game, uh, how does that affect? I mean, do they stop the game and have a ceremony then? Will they do it at the next whistle if it's a close game? And I still think the Lakers can control that to a certain extent. All right. Uh, also, we've got it. Hey, it's Super Bowl week. A lot going on around town of Super Bowl parties, Super Bowl festivities. Uh, we can uh, bring up in a little while, not yet, but uh, should the. Uh, day after the super bowl be a uh, holiday you know because that comes up every year and it's a good discussion to have also going on uh high school boys basketball the state tournament the hhsaa state tournament is going on right now uh results from yesterday marino beat lelehua it was kailua over lahaina luna kahuku beat konawaina and moanalua beat mililani so for tomorrow's quarterfinals that means you've got Kamehameha Maui uh, facing Marino, Campbell and Kahuku, Kamehameha Hawaii against Moanalua, and uh, Kailua against St. Louis. Man, that Kailua St. Louis game—that is a uh, boy. That is a uh, that is a heavyweight prize fight right there. That should be a great game. I think Campbell-Kahuku should be a really good game, too. Campbell winning the OIA for the first time. So now that you get the final eight, I think every game is going to be really intense, and we'll see who is the last team standing. But all those games should be pretty entertaining tomorrow for the quarters. Johnny Philbrick uh, scored 24 points for Kailua against uh, Lahaina Luna last night. That's hard to do. High school basketball games aren't very long, and to score 24 points, that kid is fantastic. Well, it's one thing to get that many points. That you might see every now and then. We don't see too many high school teams getting 82 points, especially in a state tournament game. Yeah, really. Good point. 32 minutes of play. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, Punahou uh, beat Kapole to reach the quarterfinals in the HHSAA boys soccer. Uh, in the boys soccer tournament yesterday. In fact, it was Kalani beating Kailua. And it's Waikea over Kaiser. In double overtime, and King K. Kaulike beat Aiea 5-1. to one. So that's your uh, uh, little uh, high school update right there here on ESPN Honolulu. University of Hawaii spring practice. Day one is in the books. Uh, day one of the run-and-shoot offense coming back. 14 more practices. They are open to the public, 7 to 9, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, hearing good reports, but I think you'd expect to hear all positive news. Now, it would be pretty oh, hard sure. to have a, a negative story with spring practice. But uh, I'm glad nobody's getting, gotten hurt yet, and hopefully that won't be the case. But I think there's a lot of excitement because it is the run and shoot. We want that back, and hopefully it'll be very productive this season. Didn't we kind of go through this before, too, with, uh, with uh, Nick Rolovich? It was like, yeah, we're doing this stuff, and, okay, I'm bringing back the run and shoot. But look how much more successful the University of Hawaii football team was when you had somebody like um, uh, Nick Rolovich saying, okay, you know what, I'm calling the plays, I'm going to work with the quarterbacks. And it's a recipe for success, something that Timmy Chang is now doing. And I think everyone's thinking, okay, yeah, this is how it should be. And Coach said it himself yesterday, that Hawaii is a run-and-shoot state whether we're in high school or growing up. I mean, this is just, it just fits us. That's what we do in Hawaii. We're a run-and-shoot state. And so I'm glad that uh, Coach Timmy, in uh, reading the uh, Honolulu Star Advertiser this morning, an article, 
that he's, um, um, I think Steven Sy wrote it, but it's, uh, you know, talking about being back in the quarterback room and coaching up the kids. The quarterbacks enjoy it. And this is what you become a coach for. You're a teacher, right? Uh, you get to be a sensei and go back to actually teaching. I think a lot of head coaches kind of miss that because they can become administrators. And you're, of course, a leader. You're in charge of the culture of the program and all kinds of stuff. But you get to actually sit down and coach. That's that's what's becoming special for Coach Timmy. And he said, Timmy Chang said that it was the first time in seven years he's been in a quarterback room, which sounded kind of strange. But he was a tight ends coach in Nevada. He was a wide receivers coach there. Never the quarterback coach or OC. So I guess it's a little different, but uh, coming full circle, so, so to speak, as well. Yeah, so the, the question is, is uh, Braden Shager, I mean, we're not going to answer this question. Uh, I don't think we even answer this question in spring practice. Is Braden Shager uh, the starting quarterback? Right now he's the number one quarterback. I mean, he's your starting quarterback coming back. If he's going to lose his job, somebody's got to take it from him. The question is, can uh, Yellen or Farrell or one of these new transfers uh, come in and take the job? from Braden Shager and you know the talk came up last hour and I thought my gosh we're one practice in and that's been the conversation either on the radio or on social media or just people talking at the water cooler really we're talking about replacing Braden Shager we haven't even seen him yet well, we saw him last year, and I think that's where maybe fans have that question. I mean, he was basically about 50% most of the time. Some games exactly 50%. So I can understand people being a little uncertain with him. And yeah. I think there's an excitement level where John Chiave Sacopolotelli coming in from Punahou, who ran the run and shoot and was that successful in high school, that maybe he has a chance to be the starting quarterback, whether it's this year or in the future, who knows. But I think that's where the fans have those uh, conversations. That's why they have those conversations. They ran the run and shoot at Punahou? I believe they did, yeah. I thought they did. No, I don't know. I, I'm just asking you. You just said they did. I know St. Louis runs the run and shoot, and a lot of schools run the um, run the run and shoot, but I wasn't sure if Punahou was a run and shoot okay, team. Tanner's saying they didn't. Oh, okay, but I thought they did. I thought they did, <laughs> Give, I'm giving you a hard time. Anyway, uh, um, you know, he was a star quarterback in high school with a rocket arm, so that's what people think. But it is a huge jump. Not everyone's going to be Timmy Chang going from St. Louis to uh, to the University of Hawaii. You remember, Timmy Chang didn't start off his freshman year as the starter. Nick Rolovich did. And then Timmy Chang later took over, and the rest is history. Uh, Timmy Chang threw a lot of – I hope he's not listening. Timmy Chang threw a lot of interceptions. He better not Timmy be listening to practicing. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're practicing right now. Yeah, spring practices. Okay, I hope Mrs. Chang, the first lady of football, is not listening. I hope, you know, I mean, with the Chang gang, it's such a big family. I mean, so, chances are there's like a three-year-old listening going, Daddy, taking notes. <laughs> Did you throw an interception? <laughs> but he was even on our show, I remember, a number of years ago because someone was about to break his record because he, I believe, is still the uh, record, the NCAA record holder for interceptions. And, <laughs> and somebody is about to break his record. He was hoping so much they would, and they didn't. Remember? <laughs> he brought it up. I wasn't even going to bring up right. that record. He brought it up himself on the show. But, uh, well, yeah, he's still also one of the greatest. He's still one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history, if you just look at the numbers, in the history of college football. And definitely uh, on the Mount Rushmore of not only great quarterbacks, but greatest UH football players ever. But when we get back to Braden Shager, and I wanted to look up stats and say, okay, you know what? He finished the season better than he started. 
I'm having a hard time proving that. The football team, Gary, we both agree that was better when they were playing uh, Utah State, UNLV, and San Jose State down the road rather than when we were playing, uh, you know, Western Kentucky and Vanderbilt, right? right. Yeah, I mean, oh, yes. blown out. Not only beat, but blown out by New Mexico State. And then we come back and see, well, it's, you know, not the New Mexico State that we're used to. This is a bowl team, New Mexico State, we lost to. And there's a lot of close games. Hawaii lost close games. Um, they won some close games. They beat UNLV by six. They lost to Utah State by a touchdown. Uh, they lost to Wyoming by a touchdown. They lost to Colorado State by four. They lost to San Diego State by two. You know, they, they, there's a lot of close losses here. Yes. More close losses than there were close wins. Now, they also got blown out by New Mexico State, Western Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Fresno. And Michigan. But I, and, oh, I forgot about Michigan. But in conference, oh, they were a lot I'm, better. Wait, Shager didn't play against Michigan. Oh, boy, I'm trying to remember. He did play against Michigan? I don't know. I'm just looking at his uh, regular season stats, and there's no game listed for Michigan. Anyway, so what I was getting at is I was hoping to come out and prove that, hey, Shager got better and defend the poor kid. And uh, I, I, I can't really say that. But I think he did. I mean, the games were a lot closer. They won games, and the losses were pretty close. But I remember a few games down the stretch where he had, let's say, three touchdown passes in one of those games. I think he passed for like 280 yards once or twice down the stretch. I thought he did have better games at the end of the season. Maybe, again, the completion percentage still seemed around 50, 55. But I thought he yeah, had a couple so of good games. Yeah, so that's not a good thing. And they're not all dropped. By the way, thank you, uh, uh Tanner says uh, J- Jeremy Yellen started the whole Michigan game. But, um, you know, against against UNLV was probably his best game. He threw for 59%, three touchdowns and no interceptions. And uh, that was it. Oh, he threw against San Jose State, one touchdown, 55%, 230 yards. That's nice. Against Utah State, 300 yards. He threw three interceptions, and you lost a close game. You don't throw those three interceptions, Hawaii wins that game probably. Um, You know, 50% against Fresno, 51% against Wyoming, 52 against Nevada. I mean, there's a lot of incompletions, a lot of incompletions. Got to clean that up. Now, hopefully, this will be his third year. Uh, He did start a few games two years ago, you'll remember. Uh, last year he started all of those games but you know i think he's bigger he's stronger uh he's got a kind of a head start on the run and shoot starting with concepts last year to the off season which you've read about to christmas break and now continuing to work with uh, the coaches in spring practice and (laughs) non-coaches during uh you know uh, on their downtime he's I can see why he's the starting quarterback now. It's just that, hey, if we're running the run and shoot, we want Bryant Moniz. We we want Timmy Chang. We want Colt Brennan. Those are the run and shoot quarterback stars we've been used to. When you say run and shoot, you say offense. Not 50% completions, 13 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. That ain't going to cut it. Not going to cut it. No, I, I think when you say he's bigger and stronger, that's great. But is he better? 
And that's right. again when you when you you started this a few minutes ago talking about why are we having these conversations. I think that's why. But I I I mean for me, I'm hopeful he does improve and gets this offense down and leads us. I mean, it's going to be hard to duplicate what those names did, you know, guys you mentioned, because those guys were record setters in a lot of different ways. And sure. it's it's going to be hard to be as good as them. But if he can just be good enough to win a few more games than last year, I think I mean just to improve and get some more points on the board, and I think fans hopefully, hopefully will be accepting of him a little bit more because there was a lot of criticism, and the quarterback's going to get a lot of criticism if they sure. lose. I, I think yep. a lot, some of it was unfair because it wasn't all his fault. Some of it was, but I think, again, we want to see improvement from him, and until we see it, I, I'd be a little skeptical too, but I'm hopeful and optimistic at least. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm just rooting for the kid. Uh, Tanner is back in the Paxa studios. Tanner, just open up your mic if you'd like. But he said there were a lot of drops. And I acknowledged there were drops. But when you're throwing for 50%, how many of those balls were dropped? When you're 23 of 46, you might have had, you might have gone up to 27 out of 46. There were a lot of bad passes. He sailed a lot of passes high, which means he's throwing off of his back foot and that kind of stuff. You know what I want to, I'm not worried about. But I'm looking forward to seeing this new revamp. It'll be a revamped, I guess, offensive line, right? Yeah, a lot of players lost from last year, that's for sure. But, some, but, but, right. some, but even though a lot of the starters are gone, uh, we do have players that have experience from last year, at least, that are, that are going to be back. So, Sure, there's 30 guys on the team with playing experience coming back. You also have 30 uh, new guys uh, uh, coming to your team, but... I mean, when you're talking about running shoot and the passing and the receivers and all of that, you're also talking about running shoot blocking schemes, which is different than what you've seen before. You remember the splits are a lot wider, which to me says, hey, you know what? You can open up some bigger holes maybe for running backs. I saw somebody comment on that in the Star. I think I saw that this morning in the Star Advertiser article. Somebody commented. I thought, what a great point. But yeah, you. I mean, you got to learn everything on offense. Is really, I mean, all the new blocking schemes and things like that. And they've got people working on it. And uh, that's one of the reasons we're not having a spring game. Is hey, we got as much. They got to get as much teaching in early as they can. And again, it's because they implemented certain aspects of the run and shoot last year. Hopefully, it won't be completely new to a lot of the players on offense, like the O line. Yeah, but it's. I mean, you're going full blown. It sounds like it is. It's a, yeah. a you know total teaching process. But uh, I heard uh, Coach Timmy on the news last night on KHON. He was like, "Yeah, this is so you know great because it's all the familiar terms that he's been with and all of that kind of stuff. So it's so easy." I'm saying, "Yeah, for you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's easy for the teacher. Sure, you're you're the one writing the lesson plan. Come on. Anyway, good fun, man. I'm stoked. We're not we're we're so far away from UH football, but." Football is in the air. So practices are open to the public, yes? Yes, yes, they are. And it's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays for now, 7 to 9 a.m. All right. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, let's get into the uh, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl week here. Uh, it's the week of the big game. I still can't get used to that. I, I just can't get used to people not being able to call it the Super Bowl. Uh, otherwise, you'll get sued by the NFL. The big game. Well, we can because we air the Super Bowl. But uh, and who are they? <laughs> Aaron Schatz. Uh, he uh, founded a website called FootballOutsiders.com. He's also an analyst uh, with the ESPN. 
He's an NFL analyst with ESPN. Am I reading that correctly? ESPN Plus, yes. All right, he's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. I wonder what it would have been like to have been at opening night last night for the Super Bowl. And our next guest was there, I believe, for the first time as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's an NFL analyst with ESPN Plus, also the founder of FootballOutsiders.com. Aaron Schatz is with us once again. And, Aaron, what was it like last night? Not quite as much of a circus as I was told it's been in past years. There's sort of... uh, uh, fewer, like, random reporters from Mexican television stations wearing tutus <laughs> and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But it, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's wild how much media is there for media night, and it's wild how many people pay to sit in the stands, <laughs> to just sit in the stands and watch you interview players. But it's great from a media perspective because while the top players on each team get podiums, Every player has to be available for questioning. So you can talk to, like, the third-string tight end for 10 minutes if you want to. And did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we did a story about the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback sneak, the pushing Jalen Hurts quarterback sneak, and we talked to all three Philadelphia tight ends, in fact. <laughs> okay, that, that is a true story then. What were some of the uh, p- other players that you got to talk to, whether it was Patrick Mahomes or any of the other star players? Uh, for Kansas City, we were talking mostly to the young defensive backs. So uh, Joshua Williams, uh, Trent McDuffie, um, uh, Jalen Watson. We spoke to Steve Spagnolo about his use of the young defensive backs. We spoke a little bit to Jeff Stoutland, who's the offensive line coach from the Eagles. It was definitely some good information. What about the Kelsey's mom, Travis and Jason Kelsey? I understand she was there. Was she uh, very popular last night? She was very popular last night. Got a really big uh, applause from the crowd because, of course, all the Kansas City fans and all the Philadelphia fans both applauded for her. So she apparently brought chocolate chip cookies for both of the boys. So she was very popular last night. And how many fans are there? Could you mention how the fans, and I guess this has been going on for maybe the last five, six, seven years at the most, but did you mention fans can purchase tickets to just sit there to watch something on a monitor that you can watch on TV live on the NFL Network? But how many fans are actually in attendance? I think roughly 10,000. Wow. That's more yeah. than I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, in some ways it makes a little sense because if you can't, on the ridiculously priced Super Bowl tickets, this is a chance to see the players in person uh, without paying that much money, but all you're seeing them do is interview. (laughs) Right, right. Aaron Schatz, he is with ESPN+, Plus, also the founder of FootballOutsiders.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Can you explain to our listeners, because you're also the creator of DVOA, kind of an analytics site, and you kind of break down the Eagles and the Chiefs and how they did this season. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, about, like, what DVOA is or about how the Eagles and Chiefs did this season? Both. Well, DVOA takes every play in football, and it looks at the success of that play based on the down and distance, and then compares it to a league average baseline, which is adjusted for situation and opponent. 
And the Chiefs and Eagles were both very, very good this year. There really were six teams that were ahead of the rest of the league by a good amount. And, you know, the Chiefs and Eagles are both in that group of six teams. And it's the teams that you expect it to be, right? Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo, uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. Not not in that order. Um, the Eagles uh, had a little bit of a dip at the end of the season, but that's a lot because they had to play two games without uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, each of these teams has sort of trended in different ways. The Chiefs' pass defense has been better in recent weeks since Trent McDuffie came back, the rookie cornerback. Uh, the Eagles' pass defense and pass offense has declined a little bit in recent weeks, but their running offense and their run defense have both gotten better in recent weeks. Based on all the analytics that you've looked at, how do you see this game playing out? I would have a really hard time imagining that this is going to be a blowout in either direction. These teams are just really evenly matched. It is hard to make a pick. Um, the teams are very close. Like if you, if you look at their numbers and you take out the two Gardner-Minshew games, the teams are very close. And I happen to think it's going to be a more offensive-oriented game. Like I like the idea of going with the over. The over-under is 50. Uh, these are two of the three best offenses in the league, and they both rank better on offense than defense, and they're also both fast-paced teams. They like the teams that like to play at a fast pace, which means more plays, which theoretically means more points. So I think you're going to have a higher scoring, more of a shootout, despite the quality of like the Philadelphia defense. I think you're going to have more of a shootout, but it's very, very close and really hard to pick like a definite winner. You wrote something on your Twitter page that I saw that was really interesting, talking about the Eagles' defense as an example, and that Patrick Mahomes has done pretty good against really good defenses, and you used the San Francisco 49ers' defense as an example and how good Mahomes has performed that way. So when you compare him with uh, Jalen Hurts going up against good defense, it seems like Mahomes would have that edge. Yeah, so part of it is Jalen Hurts hasn't gone up against good defenses. Jalen Hurts only played three games this year against teams that were in our top 12 for pass defense. And he was, you know, all right in those games. But Mahomes definitely, it's not that he's better against better pass defenses, but the amount that his performance drops against better pass defenses is less than an average quarterback would drop against the same defenses. Are there any injuries that are significant as far as keeping players out? We see that Mahomes is maybe close to 100%, Kelsey getting up there. McCole Hardman, though, I guess is on IR. He will not be playing for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's assumption is that Kadarius Toney basically replaces Hardman's role in the offense, so that's not too big of a loss. So these teams are actually very healthy at this point. There are players who are playing on injuries, like Mahomes and Lane Johnson, but there aren't really players missing the game because of injuries other than Harden. I know that the Eagles are staying in a hotel, I don't know if it's 20-something miles outside of Phoenix, what the New York Giants did with Tom Coughlin years ago to get away from the hoopla. Is that something that you get the sense of, that the Chiefs might be out and about, but the Eagles are kept kind of far away from all the, uh, the, the uh, partying or the atmosphere that we hear about with Super Bowl no. week? No, I think the Chiefs are in Scottsdale, so they're not downtown either. We're all downtown, but I don't think either of the teams are downtown, and they're not going out. And it's not, I mean, it's not like there's, you know, the players aren't going to these Super Bowl parties that the celebrities go to. The players are very concentrated on playing the game. 
I guess I just remember those stories. I guess it might have been the Bears back when they were in New Orleans with Jim McMahon. That was a long time ago, of course, but there were reports. Yeah. And every now and then you'll hear about a player being out and about, I guess, in Super Bowl week, but I guess it wouldn't be wise for that. You know, Aaron, I want to ask you also about something else because you are an AP All-Pro and MVP voter. The MVP award will be given out on Thursday. I know you don't want to give us maybe your, your vote, uh, but I'm just wondering if it might be any of the quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you that I voted for Patrick Mahomes as the first-team All-Pro quarterback. So take from that what you will about who I voted for for MVP. (laughs) Okay, enough of a hint right there. What about other uh, people you voted for for the All-Pro? Were there any decisions that you had to really wrestle with as far as who gets the All-Pro vote or not? Because there's so many great players in the NFL. I imagine some of those were tough choices. Oh, sure, absolutely. And especially uh, this year, because they expanded the voting to where we voted for both first team and second team all pros. So um, there were places where I felt very comfortable with my first team all pros, but I kind of wrestled with who my second teamers were. Like, for example, wide receiver. Um, It was hard to pick just six guys. There were so many wide receivers who had good years this year that it was really hard. And, um, you know, cornerback is a tough one. There are a lot of good cornerbacks this year. It's, um, I take it pretty seriously, the, my, my voting in, in the All-Pro. Can you maybe tell us who the receivers were in the first team, at least, in your ballot? Yeah, I ended up going with uh, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Dick. Good choice. there. What about at running back? Uh, I did Nick Chubb as my first team running back, and Josh Jacobs from Las Vegas as my second team running back. Good choices there as well. What is, can you maybe describe the atmosphere in the Phoenix area? We know it was opening night last night with the media. I think you also mentioned something on Twitter that was interesting, is that it's not called Radio Row anymore. It's Media Row. Not as many radio stations there, but a lot of podcasters are there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really interesting. Like, it used to be that there were a number of stations that were, like, their drive-time show would come to the Super Bowl, maybe two or three shows would be broadcasting from the Super Bowl straight through the day, and that is just not happening now. And uh, it is mostly podcasts and other digital media companies on Radio Row, and they actually now call it Media Row instead of Radio Row. I'm sure it's a great experience, and I'm glad you could share a little bit about what the atmosphere is like and give us a sense on what takes place during this week. Should be a great game. I'm hoping you're right. I think a lot of people are thinking it's going to be a close game and maybe high scoring as well. Aaron, thanks for joining us today and all season long. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, and hopefully your listeners will be checking out Football Outsiders with all of our draft coverage for the next couple months and then all throughout the offseason coverage of free agency and everything else in the NFL. Okay, we'll definitely have you on again because the draft is very popular. We want to get some insight there. So thanks again, Aaron. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. All right, thank you so much. Aaron Schatz, he's the founder of FootballOutsiders.com, also an NFL analyst with ESPN+, and an all-pro and MVP voter for the AP, joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a key. And he made it obvious uh, with his hint there, but Patrick Mahomes got his MVP vote. We'll hear all about that on Thursday night with the NFL Honors Show. Back in a few minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Got a lot more football, basketball, college basketball, Basketball to get into coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's going to be partly cloudy, uh, windy today. It's actually going to be really windy coming up 
uh, starting tomorrow. We've got gusts up to about 25 today. 50% chance of rain here and there. Nothing super serious, though, but... uh, Everybody uh, be safe and uh, tie down the small farm animals. It's going to be, it's going to blow tonight. It's going to blow. <laughs> tie down the, uh, if you got a lanai, tie, tie down the, 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 lawn, the lawn furniture. Very windy last night, that's for sure. All right. Um, so much to go over. Super Bowl is coming up. NBA trade line, uh, trade deadline is coming up. Also, University of Hawaii uh, men's and women's basketball. The guys come back home against UC San Diego this Thursday already. So Hawaii is eight and four, eight and four in the Big West, tied for third place. Uh, they're facing uh, UC San Diego, struggling this year. They're three and nine in conference play, but got a seven o'clock game, Simplify Arena at the Stand Sheriff Center. This is one that Hawaii needs to win, of course. They're a game and a half behind Santa Barbara. And uh, this is a game you can't afford to play one great half and one bad one. you got to come out and play like Kamaka Hepa did last week. UC San Diego has got three conference wins, as you said. They're all on the road. So that's one thing to look for. <laughs> Hawaii did defeat him, holding him just 49 points on the road the last time they played. It was 62-49. Bernardo had a great game. I think 20 points he did in that game. So not only are they tied for third, it's actually a three-way tie for third with Long Beach State and with Riverside. Irvine's a half game ahead. So these games are critical now. It's not where it's early in the season. It's still a lot of basketball left, eight conference games. But a loss here and there, especially to a team that is below you in the standings like San Diego, could really hurt your chances of getting that regular season title. And when you look at everybody else playing this week, for example, Davis plays Riverside this week. Davis is right behind Hawaii, only a half game out. So one of those teams will obviously lose. Santa Barbara's at Long Beach State on Thursday. So either team losing will help Hawaii, but Hawaii needs to win to remain on pace with the team that wins these games. So you really have to win these last four home games. They've won nine of their last ten at home, and they really have to win all four remaining home games and do pretty well on the road. But I like the fact that not only did they win on Saturday, of course, but they had all teams in front of them lose. That is just incredible. Now, one interesting note for Saturday, it'll get to Thursday in a minute, Saturday is going to be called date night. They're going to have a date night contest at halftime in honor of Valentine's Day. So the And they're going to have the first 200 fans will receive a carnation courtesy of Watanabe Floral. But you're encouraged to wear green if you are taken and white if you are single. And then they're going to have a contest at halftime, I guess, fixing the single people up. That's something different. That's something I, I'm, I'm going to be interested in. I'll be it's on the air. It's a contest. But, yes. How do you win this contest? I, they don't have the details here, but it does say there will be a date night contest at halftime. And, again, wear green or white. Green if you're taken. White if you're looking around. What if you're green and you're looking around, too? <laughs> you wear red? That's a really good point. Right? Okay, somebody's wearing Why are you blue. asking? What does that mean? <laughs> What if you're just you're just looking, but see, but no touch? They say back in the air. <laughs> see, but, but no touch, brother. 
Now, also on Saturday, uh, the first 300 fans, actually for every Big West remaining home game, will receive a set of Rainbow Warrior trading cards, courtesy of the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. So those are pretty popular, I know, as well. I haven't seen them for basketball. I know they did that for football earlier this season, but uh, something to look forward to. First 300 fans for every home game. Only four home games left. All right, so uh, get to the stand. You know what I'm afraid of is that, okay, Hawaii... 17 and 7. And to me, I don't know why. I, I think, you know, even if Hawaii gets 20 wins, that 20 wins and single digit losses, that's that looks good on paper. And to me, my, to my feeble basketball mind, that's a successful season. We're 17 and 7 right now overall. Chances, how many more games? Eight more games? Eight more games plus at least one in the Big West tournament, hopefully three. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if we're going to get the single-digit uh, losses. I think we can reach the 20 wins. That's kind of oh, cool. Yeah. But my point is, though, if Hawaii loses, and that's why it's important, if Hawaii loses or even splits at home, I'm wondering if fans start to lose interest. Yes. Oh, you know what? Now a fifth plan. Oh, well. That, you know? That's happened with the past, so you're, I think it, it will. It has. Happen. I mean, it's almost like it, it, it's like uh, uh, it's it's like UH basketball fatigue sometimes seems to set in with some fans, not the real fans, but with some fans. That's true. And, you know, the last couple of crowds have been pretty good. I mean, four thousand and then forty four hundred for the last two home games, and that might not sound like like a lot to some, but it's improvement yeah. on what they've had earlier this season and maybe in recent years. The last two years had COVID, so it's a little bit yeah, hard you... to measure that against that. But you know, if you're getting close to five thousand fans, that hasn't happened overall in a number of years since really uh, the Bob Nash and Riley Wallace era when that happened. That was a bad crowd back then. If he only got forty five hundred or five thousand, used to probably right, average I think close that's... to seven. Right, but that's what I, I think. That's what people are thinking. Is is I mean, if the, you know, all of the resources that go into University of Hawaii football, and then all of the resources and attention that goes into men's basketball, and you have bigger crowds for volleyball, you have bigger crowds for Wahine volleyball than men's basketball. That's kind of a. a, a I'm surprised that you're still only at. And I think we've all figured out how to use e-tickets and how to put tickets on our phones. So I. I don't blame that anymore, but it's interesting because, I mean, this is a great product that they have. These are some really good players. These are the best, in, in my humble opinion, these are the best players. These are star players, the best players Hawaii has had since uh, Gib Arnold got caught cheating, right? I mean, to Talk about the skill. From top to bottom of this year's University of Hawaii basketball team, and I don't think anyone's, you know, it rivals that 2000, what was it, 2015 or whatever, when they, 16, they beat 15, Cal 16, yeah. in the NCAA tournament. It really rivals that. This is a really talented team. But, you know, lose another one or two, and people start to go, ah, same old, same old. But it's not. Maybe because there's everyone gets into the tournament. So it's not that people are like, oh, they're down on the team, but it's like, I'll do something else this weekend instead of going to the game. Because everybody goes to the tournament, basically, and we're all fighting for seeding. You know, maybe if it was like the top three only went, or that, you know, the top team goes to the NI, the, the, the top couple of teams go to the tournament, and the third place team, they'll probably get an NIT. That makes it so much more interesting down the stretch yeah, than yeah. what we're facing in the Big West. Am I right? 
Yeah, you're definitely right. And I think also, like, if, if we're playing in the semis or finals every year of the Big West Tournament, there'd be more interest. And I, I hate bringing it up, but the one and done five years in a row in the Big West Tournament until last year oh, was something that people have brought up over and over again. But you've said it. Oh. We, you and I have talked how many times this season – at, during games or after games, how exciting and dramatic these games are really good entertainment value. I mean, you want to win every game, but boy, have there been some excitement games when you had um, Jovan McClanahan and the Diamond Head or some of these conference games where the crowd is just electric and it creates such yeah. a great atmosphere. You're missing out on a lot if you're not there. I will say that. The, the crowds aren't the biggest at your 4,000, 4,400, whatever it is, but this crowd was, they're, they're, they're rowdy. They can rock, man. I mean, they're they're that, that, and they know their stuff. It's a smart crowd, and they get into it. They help out the team. So, if you're one of the guys, that, folks that are going to the games, good job on you. Yeah, definitely. Making so, us one, look good. One thing I wish they could do uh, when Jamie Smith was here, he did such a great job marketing with the theme nights. They don't. I mean, date night is cool. That's what reminded me of Jamie Smith. Uh, he had so many, whether it was Star Wars night or what the other themes that he had. He got all the students coming in the numbers that we've never seen at the Stan Sheriff Center, when he got 800 mm-hmm. to 1,000 to show up. But even the fans that weren't students really enjoyed those theme nights. The marketing was really helpful. I wish they could create more than just giving out. I mean, tacos are great, and they made the announcement the last game. Everybody got free tacos the next day. But I think some of those theme nights and marketing fields could maybe have more fans show up, and I, I miss those days with Jamie Smith. Yeah, I mean, the taco, if Hawaii scores, what do you have to do to get a taco? 62 points. If you score 62 points, you get a taco. I mean, that's not really the marketing team. That's more of just the sponsor going, hey, here's a – but, I mean, when you're – true marketing to get people in the door is what you're talking about. Nobody goes, should I go to the basketball game? (laughs) There's a chance I could get a taco. (laughs) That's not driving sales. It, but it does it does add to your overall game experience, right? Yeah. Especially when you're closing in on it, it's like, oh look, oh, let's let's win a taco. I mean, how many of those people actually, you know, um, go and and show your ticket to pick up the taco? I don't know. I don't know the number to that. But um, it, actually, promotions that bring the fans in because that's hard. Um, you don't have to. De- you don't have. You don't have those conversations. At some places, uh, like Duke, or even places like Utah State. I don't know how Utah State's attendance is now, but back in the day in Logan, that place would sell out, and they were rabid fans. Yep. You didn't need yes. to. You didn't need to do any of this stuff. But uh, unfortunately, it's kind of what we do here in Hawaii. We've got to come up with something to get more people in. Now they say winning changes everything, and Hawaii's winning, but it's just not enough fans to check them out. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, I, again, it's a great product. I agree with everything you said yeah. about the team and how exciting they are, but I think you could get more fans in there if there were certain uh, attractions, so to speak, whether it's just the theme nights or something along those lines that would really, you know, create an even a better atmosphere. But we got what we got now is great. The fans that show up, again, they do a great job. It's really fun being at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center for every game. You, I mean, they've won the majority of them, of course, as we said, nine out of the last ten. But the only loss was to Santa Barbara, and that was a one-point loss. And even in that loss... It was exciting. I mean, A.J. Mitchell, unfortunately, hit that shot with one and a half seconds left. But what an intense game that was. That was. That was a good game. And it was. We weren't even bummed after the game. We were just, like, going, like, the next day going, wow, what a game that was. Oh, we lost? Oh, well, but what a game that was. Yeah. You know, they lost that close one with a controversial ending. Hawaii's 11-3 and at home. 
So if you're if you're a front runner and you're like, oh, I, I'm just gonna go with the when I can watch them win. Well, you know what? Home games we usually win. Yes. So go and check it out. Anyway, I don't want to be a commercial for the basketball team. I just really believe in them. And you know what? I mean, Jovan Clutch McClanahan <laughs> in Big West play leads the team in scoring. He's listed at 5'10", which means he's not. <laughs> I mean, this is the closest thing, old-timers. We've got to Jerome Hook Freeman. Come on, <laughs> get down to the stand and cheer him on. Let's check your traffic. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. haven't done this in a few days, but I always look for very interesting, creative, sometimes funny, sometimes just weird tweets. This one involved that guy named Brady, Tom Brady. This is from a couple of days ago. I thought it was pretty funny. His tweet simply says this. Now that I'm retired, I have time to go see 80 for Brady four separate times today. Uh, his big movie that did very well over the weekend. So I thought that was a cool tweet by Tom Brady. This, and I, I've been a little gullible, I realized, in the last year or so, and Tanner can point it out several times, when I see something on Twitter that I believe is real and it's fake news. And that's what I thought when I saw this the other day. But apparently it's not. It's legit. You can go to eBay, or at least you could have a few days ago, if you wanted to get a jar of sand from Tom Brady's right. second NFL retirement announcement on that beach somewhere in Florida. Uh, it was only going for a very reasonable price, just $90,000. Again, I thought it was fake news. I saw the bid was up to nine, the bid on eBay or whatever was up to $99,000 yesterday afternoon. It's probably more than that now. I, I heard it was approaching 100 the other day as well. So, no, I, I yeah, mean, I saw it. I mean, can you – how would anybody – I mean – that is first of all okay it's just ridiculous in itself if you were really interested in a jar of sand from his his speech want to do a little research find out where that beach is and get your own jar of sand or if you get a jar of sand from that beach sell it for 20,000 you'll sell a lot more of them than somebody trying to sell it for 99,000 why would anybody want that is another question I mean, I know you want memorabilia, certain things that, you know, are really historic with an athlete, with a jersey, a shoe, whatever, the football with his last touchdown throw. But a jar of sand from the beach where he made his announcement? Why would anybody in their right mind, A, want it, B, pay more than a dollar for it? And I, I, I haven't come up with I, the I, 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 Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday called, they wanted their news back regarding the sand, by the way. Oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> anyway, th- anyway, yeah, I can see that. The point is, how do you know it's? How do you know that's where the sand was from? Yeah, there's no. Is there a letter of authenticity that you get with some of these <laughs> autographs? And how do you know that a letter is authentic? On an actual photo of his butt on the sand. Uh, but I hey, mean, you know what? Uh, hey, you know what? I, I you got to hand it to the entrepreneur. You know what I found out uh, yesterday is that uh, Tom Brady is not going to be doing his uh, football commentator job. He's taking a year off gap year yeah so um so greg olson's probably happy about that i don't <laughs> yes, care i get to be in the lead chair another year but what if tom brady's not any good people are still going to watch i mean i don't watch a game because of the announcement you know what? i think he'll draw viewers at least initially initially yeah and you thought they thought that about rex ryan he was horrible they thought that about joe namath on monday night football horrible they thought that about joe montana horrible I mean, I know that they test these players, 
did they test Tom Brady? For example, Greg Olson, they weren't like, oh, when he got out of the NFL, I can't wait for you to be a, a, a commentator. They test him. He they, was on the air when he was injured guys. a few times when he was an active player. Right, but they'll test you in situations. Rex Ryan it must have, from what I hear, passed the test in flying colors. When it came to live bullets, eh, not so good. How about Tom Brady's going to make more from this TV deal than he did in the NFL his whole career? Three seventy-five to three hundred and thirty million. Really? Okay. Uh, Five twelve is actually what he made in the NFL. Hold that thought. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. I'm going to talk like a DJ. Good morning, everybody. That's what a morning show DJ sounds like. Hey, good morning. Chris Barry having a cup of java with you. It's going to be uh, partly cloudy and windy today. Yeah, top headlines. Hey, LeBron James just needs 36 points to be the all-time scoring leader in the NBA. How about that? Today could be the day against Oklahoma City. It's going to be a historic night, and I do wonder, I feel bad for the fans, I should say, that if they paid all that money and the tickets are going for a lot, uh, mm. I think the cheapest seat was somewhere around seven or 800 bucks. if he doesn't get it tonight, especially if he comes that close. You, the Lakers could win by 20. If he gets 33, you're going to go away disappointed. Mm. The uh, let's see, we got a high school boys basketball and uh, stock soccer state tournaments going on. Congratulations to the winners and losers yesterday. Yep. Yeah, for boys basketball, well, now we're going to have the quarterfinals. They do take today off, and they'll have the quarterfinals starting tomorrow. St. Louis and Campbell, the top two seeds, and should be some great basketball with the championship game on Friday night. Of course, we'll have that on CBS fifteen hundred, the championship once again. Yeah, so we'll have the D1 and D2 championships. We'll have uh, tomorrow's action as well on CBS 1500, our sister station. But, boy, I am really looking forward to St. Louis against Kai Lua. That is one heavyweight fight. That's the rub- that's the rumble in the jungle. The thriller in vanilla. <laughs> Returning state champs and uh, perennial uh, studs out at uh, Kai Lua. And uh, I-, I-, I have a hard time, you know, friends with both coaches, so... I, I I can't root for anybody. I just want to see a big-time prize fight. That's going to be good fun. All right. Uh, University of Hawaii spring practice one day is in the books. Your new uh, play caller, quarterbacks coach, and more, Coach Timmy Chang. The run and shoot is back in black, looking to attack. <laughs> the rest of the whack, if we played in the whack. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. First three lines I like. Oh, I wish we were still in the whack. That would have been so good. <laughs> Just for that reason alone. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> well, it really is the whack. It's just called the Mountain West now. I mean, true. it's the same teams that were in the whack. That's true. So, in fact, I'm right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, spring practice going on. Free, open to the public. Uh, you can go down 7 to 9, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday, under the stars. Uh, the Rainbow Wahine and uh, Rainbow Wind basketball, guys basketball teams, they play UC San Diego Thursday. The Wahine are on the road. Dave Kawada is going to join us. He's the voice of the Rainbow Wahine along with Tiff Wells. Uh, that's coming up in about 15 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. But speaking of the University of Hawaii, now that we have the run and shoot, and I'm wondering 
if we're going to, we have not been able to do this since Nate Elawa left. Bring back that shovel pass <laughs> as a weapon. Seriously, we've tried. Norm Chow tried. Todd Graham tried a little bit. We can't. It, it's it's been nobody been hasn't been able to handle the shovel pass like Nate Elawa before. It takes a back who can stop and start and 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 cut and jump cut yeah. and all of that. It takes good hands. It takes good, uh, you know, kind of vision a little bit. We have we got spoiled because the one guy to do it, the first guy to do it, did it so well. It's like Nate Ilawa was the Michael Jordan of the shovel pass. True. I, I wonder if there's a Nate Ilawa on this team. Ty Hines isn't that guy, but he's really good. But I, I think he's they, not. Why not? Why can't he be? Well, he's not the same size as a Nate. No, Lava, no, I'm not looking. Something. I'm not looking to the same size. I'm looking at somebody who can catch the shovel pass and run down the field for ten yards. I think he can run down the field for more than ten yards, and we, we've seen it maybe once or twice a year. But it's not been a mainstay of the offense, that's for sure. You know why? Doesn't work. Nate Lau is not playing. <laughs> if you're talking run and shoot. You know, you got another tight end on the line. So I'm, I'm guessing sometimes in this run and shoot we'll have four wide. I would think so. I think they've talked Trips about Trips to the that, near yeah. side, single wide to the far side, something like that. Yes, yes. Do we have to call it trips? Do we have to copy other announcers? Can we say three guys are on the, that side and one guy's on this side? Trip sounds cooler than three guys. Yeah, but <laughs> the, whoever came up with trips... Now it's overused. And for people who are new to football, oh, the trips to the near side, what the heck did he just say? What's a trip? And why is this trip always uh, on the near side or far side? Double wide far side. I didn't. I don't get to hear. I didn't get to hear Bobby a lot on the radio broadcast because we're usually at. Well, we're at the home game, but I'm not listening to him as much as I do. They did it maybe on some of the road games, but now I notice a lot more. Not a lot, but other announcers do the same phrase, and I didn't really well, that's what know I'm that. Before. I'm not yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm, not, right. I'm talking about our broadcast. Yeah. I'm talking about all broadcasters. Yeah, I've noticed. Come a lot up with more your lately. own stuff. Unless you usually leave the house and you tell your wife, "So long." Don't say it in a game. Say Wait, I... goodbye. <laughs> Announcers on the mainland end this with so long. Oh, I hope you're listening, Pacheco. <laughs> so long, everybody. Come on. That's not you. Be yourself. Hmm. Something hey, to we'll think see about. you tomorrow. So long, Gary. <laughs> Appreciate you, Chris. Well, it's the same thing. When you end the, your radio show with aloha, you don't say that in real life. Don't say it on the radio. But I don't. But you, I don't you, when you see when someone comes up to you, and they say, "Hey, Gary, I'll, I'll see you later." Do you go aloha? If I'm on do Hawaii yes Five O no? and Magnum, I do. Do you? Do you? Yes or no? No. You're at Murphy's. You're having lunch with somebody. I don't. You're not. Yeah. You're usually napping at lunchtime. But anyway, <laughs> you're you're having lunch with somebody. You're 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 at Ruby Tuesday, say, and you're enjoying the salad bar, and you're with a friend. We'll call this friend Billy, and you, Billy, it's time for Billy to go home. You say either Aloha, Billy, or Hey, Billy, so long. 
You know, okay, you, uh, but, uh, but I think we talked about this a year ago, and I started using the <laughs> phrase for a little while. What I usually do say when I'm saying goodbye to somebody, Kaden. Do you usually say that? I'll say a Kaden or take it easy. Then say that. In the, in the East Coast, everybody says, take it easy. That was like the phrase growing up. That's all we said when we were saying goodbye. Take it easy. Yeah, they also said, that's groovy and righteous. I never you said gotta... groovy in my life except right now. <laughs> I would, I'd never use that phrase. That was a little before my time, if that's possible. Anyway, those were our top headlines. <laughs> I got off. Talk about, talk about getting in the weeds. My goodness. Uh, Dave Kawada is going to join us. Uh, we'll have a traffic update six minutes from now. Dave, Dave Kawada is going to join us for a few minutes. Hey, I got an email yesterday I wanted to share uh, because I said I would. Uh, if you're an unemployed high school football coach looking for a job, maybe this is a job for uh, Nick Rolovich, but Kalaheo High School. Kalaheo High School has an opening for a football coach. Head coach? Yeah, head coach. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're looking for a head I don't know who the last head coach was at Kalaheo. Someone will text us. Uh, but here's what you need to do, Gary. If you want to be the football coach, you need to organize and supervise the football program. Uh, you must communicate with student-athletes, parents, and administrative administration. Uh, Let's see. Uh, finances, inventory of equipment, care of facilities, public relations, adhere to DOE and OIA policies. Uh, college degree preferred. Anyway, uh, if you would uh, like to be the uh, head coach of Kalaheo High School football or you know somebody who that would be a good job for, you can get in touch with the athletic director, director Jacob Baum, B-A-U-M, and drop off your resume and references to Kalaheo's um, main office, care of athletic director. So I want to take care of some uh, help out the boys on the windward side. Kalaheo looking for a football coach. But if you do become the football coach, don't make your own uniforms and call yourselves the Stangs. That's frowned upon. Why? Alika Smith tried it, and he got in a lot of trouble in Kalaheo as a basketball coach back then. I I thought that was cool. Let's go Stangs. But, yeah, I guess the uh, Kailua, the the administration, wasn't fond of that. I mean, Kalaheo. Why? What? Not Kailua, Kalaheo. Kalaheo, yeah, at Kalaheo. They weren't uh, really fond of that, which is weird. I mean, you know, I mean, you call it Kailua, you know, a lot of the, the surf riders. But, they're, you know, the kids call them, at least when my daughter was there, hey, let's call surfers. Call them the surfers for short. Right. You know, because you're, we, there were surfers. It's like no one goes, hey, look at that guy in the water. He's a pretty good surf rider. <laughs> right? <laughs> doesn't happen hey he's a pretty good surfer hey here's my uh my 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 son uh billy billy is a popular name this morning this is my son billy he's a surf rider he's gonna go ride the surf now see you later billy i wonder what people thought the first time they heard bows instead of rainbows what do you mean well because that's kind of short for rainbow just like surf riders or short for surf rider so yeah. bows wasn't the nickname it was the rainbows yeah but whoever came up with that i don't know probably newspaper writers they always come up with the you know the you know the they came up with the rainbows themselves but that's at least one cool thing that we have that's original at the university of hawaii yes right we're, we're always trying you know it's like you know that i think it's kind of cool we do the skull clap for the men's volleyball yeah. team Love and that. that's kind of cool it's not original but not enough people do it where it's like the tomahawk chalk, chalk right. is, is it in a lot of places. 
So it's, it's at least with, and you know what? It's cool because even the mainland announcers refer to us as the Bows. So it's caught on where they didn't years ago. So I think that's really cool that we have something our own. Right? Oh, I just wonder how that was met by local fans the first time it was uttered or, you know, said as opposed to rainbows. If it was, if it was something from the start. Or I don't think some... people were as nitpicky back then as we are now. Probably right. Probably right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the text line at 808-296-1420. Animals, what about the Heat, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch? Aloha. Oh, we were talking about big threes yeah. that aren't very successful because they haven't been successful lately. And uh, that was one that Gary brought up. Yeah, the Miami Heat. But there haven't been a lot. Of all the big threes, you've got... That one with the Miami Heat. You got the first one with Kevin Garnett uh, for the Boston Celtics. Did you have a big three when the Lakers won it in 2020? In 2020? Well, it was, was LeBron, Anthony Davis. There wasn't a third That was just a big two, right. Yeah. But so in the, the, the Showtime's one... Lakers probably did Magic, Jabbar, and Worthy. Yeah, but Worthy and Magic were drafted. That's not manufacturing a team. Okay, okay. That, they, it was, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. But it was a big three, at least. Yeah, you're right. It was it was, it was um, two of those guys were drafted. Okay. All right. Harlan is calling in at 808-296-1420. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hi. I have a I have a question. Have what answer. happens? What happens if you're not quite a surf rider? Does that mean you're a surf fall offer? <laughs> <laughs> You dialed in traffic for that? <laughs> that was my response. Have a great day. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the pride of University of Redlands, our pal Harlan. Good question. Fair All question. Right. We, were, we were talking about um, uh, Braden Shager. And, you know, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And the point has been brought up. On the air and on our text line here, talking about Shager, we did. Ha- he said Shager. To be fair, Kyle texted in and said he did have a lot of drop passes. He did, but a lot of players have quarterbacks have drop passes or interceptions or uh, throwing the ball out of bounds to throw it away. It's just a consistent game after game. You're at 50, 55, 52 percent. Uh, so he's just, he does have to get more accurate. But I'm rooting for the guy. Every play, every quarterback is going to have drop passes. You don't compute that into what their rating is, what their completion percentage is. It just comes with the territory. Some might have more than others. Yes. Uh, was, it, was it Rex Ryan, I think, who said you are what your win-loss record says? And same thing, I guess, for any kind of you have comparison of quarterback. Those numbers are there. If you want to get not really nitpicky, but if you really want to break it down, you could say, well, he had more drops that weren't his fault. But I don't think you should do that. I think it's just the numbers are what they are. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, here's another text. Thank you guys for texting in. The run and shoot may improve Shager's completion percentage if he develops good chemistry with his receivers. That's. I think that's true. That's true with any quarterback. And there were some bright spots. You know, even though the numbers might not have shown it as much, we know just with the eye test, if you watched him the last three or four games, he was better than the first three or four games by far. And maybe it wasn't enough to get a lot more wins, but we talked about the close losses they had. He was a better quarterback at the end. He definitely was. And not not to defend him when I say this, when you're going through a totally different coaching regime, totally different offensive coaches, it's going to take a little time. And, you know, he did do well the year before, those couple of starts he did for Shevin. 
uh, beat Fresno State when they were ranked. He was a big part of that. So I think you give, I don't. That's so much that I'm giving him a pass. I just again, I think he got way too much criticism last year. A lot of the problems that Hawaii had were put and blamed on him, and I don't think that was right. Oh, there's some good text coming in. You know what? We're going to continue with the text coming up uh, a little bit after 8.30. Dave Kawada is going to join us uh, for a few minutes talking about the Rainbow Wahine basketball. Uh, Weather today, it's going to be partly cloudy as it is right now. Windy and breezy, trades up to 25 miles per hour. Going to be super windy after this for the rest of the week starting tomorrow. 50% chance of rain today, 40% chance tonight. Have a great day. Stay safe. We'll check your traffic now on ESPN Honolulu. Impressive win for the Rainbow Wahine basketball team on Saturday night, especially after Thursday night's tough loss and an important game where they're trying to get to the top of the standing. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's the play-by-play voice for Rainbow Wahine basketball. Dave Kawada joins us. Dave, uh, really good win, especially the way that game started on Saturday against Cal Poly. They had a rough shooting night on Thursday. We know that. But Saturday, off to a 24-4 start. The shooting was great. Everything seemed to really click on Saturday against Cal Poly. Yeah, I told, uh, I asked Coach Laura Beeman, whatever you guys had for that pregame meal for Saturday, just keep, you know, just keep serving it. Just have the kids keep eating the same thing over and over for every game. Because, yeah, they came out hot, um, you know, outscoring, uh, Cal Poly 29-13 in the first quarter. And I think what was really remarkable, too, is, I mean, the one day in between Thursday and Saturday's game, considering how, you know, very disappointing they did offensively as far as the performance and shooting percentage, you know, to bounce back after just one day and really start off hot. I mean, they obviously way more focused from the get-go. Do you think, Dave, that when we hear going into Thursday night's game, the game that they lost and they didn't shoot well as 15 of 60, I believe, something like that, 25%, is that losing those key players, Jackie David and Jovi Lafoto, that maybe they just needed a little bit of a, a game or two or some time just to get more acclimated with the new lineup? Because it is a new lineup now. Not only those two players, but, of course, we know Olivia Davies was lost. And that was a little earlier in the season, but still losing two key players within a week I think would affect any team. Yeah, and, you know, that's the whole thing, you know, the, I think we, we don't respect how much the camaraderie and the cohesion of players as a team in the locker room, off the court, you know, how that matters. And with this group, that mattered. And even Coach Beeman said they were hurting, not just because physically they were hurting because of the loss of three players for the rest of the season, they were emotionally hurting going into Thursday. And you saw that, and that's really, yeah, you're correct. So it took that um, time just to emotionally to kind of realize, hey, we got to move forward without our three key players here. We got the next player up, that whole thing. And then the whole on the court, you know, combinations, rotations, that had to be totally adjusted. But you can see where in Saturday's game, it really helps that one game under the belt with the new rotation, they moved off from it emotionally, they're able to move forward. 
but it sure helps when some of your shooters hit from three-point line right off the bat. It's a great spark right on the court, and they took it from there. They missed their first shot and then hit nine in a row during that stretch of the first <laughs> quarter. And I want to ask you about a few players. I'm a big fan of Callan Spiller, and I thought she had a really good year last season here. She's had some good performances this year. Her minutes are down a little bit, and her point production has been down a little bit. But Saturday night, 19.7 rebounds in just 17 minutes. But reading her comments after the game, she more focused on the inside game, the low post game, than shooting from the outside. She did not attempt a three-pointer on Saturday, and she is a pretty good three-point shooter. What did you notice about her approach to the game and the way she played uh, comparing to other games this season? Well, I mean, one of the things I like to look at with players is what's their main element of consistency that they provide on the court. And she has been just a beast on the boards consistently. You will get your 7 to 11 to 12 rebounds a game. She had 7 against Cal Poly in rebounds. So there's that steady element you can always build on. And I think once they got much more efficient with entry passes into the post, she got much better in terms of positioning yourself to receive entry passes in the post, then you saw it clicking, you know, and that's where the matchup a lot of times in teams they're going to play, she will have a physical matchup advantage in the post. And if they can get the offense into the entry into her and she can get, get, get that good position, that's where you'll see these double digit scoring come about. So I, yeah, I agree. I mean, she is six foot three and a physical player. She could take advantage in the paint. Dave Kawada joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We've talked about the men's team with Jovan McClanahan as assist to turnover ratio. Well, Lily Wahinikapu on Saturday, what a performance. I think it's like eight or nine games in a row in double figures, but seven assists and only one turnover. Had a couple of steals as well. What a performance by Lily. Yeah, and I was, you know, one of the things I've been watching and I've been kind of saying is how she has, and I don't want to say grown. Yeah, she's developing, obviously, as a player. She's still a young player, only in her second year of college basketball. But the comfort and confidence she's developing with this team and her role in this team. Now, she's stepping up, obviously, because there's three players lost, and they're all, you know, especially with the loss of her sister, and then, you know, Olivia Davis. So that guard room suddenly got smaller. She knows she's got to pick it up as far as minutes and action. But she's getting really on an upswing now. I mean, you mentioned the double-digit scoring. She wasn't doing that at the beginning of the season. So now she's getting into that offensive confidence, but also the playmaking. Uh, minutes are increasing. And just, I think, the other players, too, are realizing, wow, you know, we're really trying to rally around her as well. She's kind of a leader on the floor leader off the floor, and it's starting to show, and you're just going to see that grow going all the way through into the Big West Conference Tournament. With the injured players, Jackie David and Jovi Lafoto, as you mentioned, out, we see other players getting more minutes and their roles expanding. Kelsey Emaya, a really key player last year during the Big West Championship run, 31 minutes on Saturday. And Ashley Toms, who hasn't really played a lot this year, she now is playing a lot more in 24 minutes. The numbers might not show an awful lot, but I think when you have two players with that much experience coming in to fill up for these injured players, and I know Jackie David is more of a big than the other two, I think it really helps their chances coming down the stretch yeah and you know Ashley will come in uh, a lot for defensive situations but yeah you know you can't again it goes back to the that camaraderie and that 
role certain players play. And when you have some veteran players that have had a lot of years under the belt, and they can be this kind of steadying influence on the floor that, you know, we're, it's, everything's going to be okay. We might, have, we might have not scored in about two minutes, but guess what? We're going to be okay. Let's get a stop here. Those kind of things, when they voice that in the huddles or when they voice it with their teammates on the floor to the other younger players, those mean something. And I think that's what a lot of what Ashley Toms brings as well. They have a big game against UC San Diego on Thursday. I believe they're a game ahead of Hawaii in the standing, so an important matchup, hopefully another yeah. win in store. Dave, so thanks for, Dave yeah. is there a miter saw or something going on in the background? What's <laughs> going on over there? I, I don't know. It's actually quiet here, so I'm going oh, to blame like the little... <laughs> many hoony technicalities going through the phone line. I don't know. It sounded like some kind of saw, like a drill or something. Uh, Dave is a manly guy. He does interviews. He'll do a little, little, little power sawing in the background at the same time. That's a better story. There's a tree in the way of my view out my window. i got to get it down, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. We'll talk Thanks, to you Dave. later. Good to see you the other day. All righty. Right on that, uh, Dave Kawada via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy, and, uh, man, it gives you more reason than ever with all those injuries to root high and hard for the Rainbow Wahine uh, coming up, uh, especially this week. So uh, come on. Let's go. They were up by 32 at one point in Saturday's game, early in the fourth quarter. They won by 22. And yeah. I know you mentioned it yesterday, 80 points for them is really impressive just in itself. And they win 80 to 58, but up by 32, especially after Thursday night's game where they didn't shoot the ball that well, it was really important for them to come back and shoot 55% overall in that game. What a difference that made. Nice. All right, uh, let's check your surf and see how the surf is today. Probably kind of windy, so maybe not that good. And coming up, another first. At this year's Super Bowl. We'll talk about that and more coming up with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great morning. Uh, hey, remember, it's going to be windy, gosh, especially tomorrow. So if you have a balcony or a lanai or something like that, your patio, uh, make sure everything's kind of, you know, if you got light, you know, chairs and things like that, maybe before you leave for work or go to bed at night, you want to pull those things in. And especially, like we say, is, you know, tie down the, farm, the small farm animals <laughs> yeah. and, and, and tie, down your, tie down the dogs. All right. Uh, I did not know about this. Here's uh, Autumn Lockwood. We're talking about firsts in the Super Bowl. Autumn Lockwood is an assistant performance coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. And this weekend, she'll be the first African-American female to coach a team at the Super Bowl. How about that? That's cool. That's great. Yeah, she, she joined the Eagles in uh, last August. Uh, she was a coordinator of sports performance at University of Houston. Then she joined the Eagles. Now, she's the first African-American woman, but she's the fourth woman to coach in Super Bowl history. So we've had a number of uh, women as uh, assistants uh, and on staff, on the coaching staff of Super Bowl teams. I had no real uh, idea it was four already. Yeah, I know me it's either. getting pretty commonplace. I know I think the 49ers had a assistant linebackers coach that was a lady. I'm not sure she's there anymore, but she even appeared on a national television commercial for something. 
But there are a number of um, female coaches, but she'll be the first uh, African-American female coach at a Super Bowl, along with, of course, Jalen Hurts and um, Patrick Mahomes being minorities uh, uh, starting quarterbacks. And it's like, I, you know, I never even thought of that. And they're still bringing it up. There was a story on it last night. And Patrick Mahomes, how do you feel about that on media night? And I, I, I just think, I don't know, I guess that's, I just thought we were a little farther in this country, but I guess yeah. I'm naive because it didn't even register in my mind. When it's like, okay, these are the two teams that are going to the Super Bowl. And immediately it's like, whoa. But anyway. Hey, you guys, thanks for text, texting in at 808-296-1420. Uh, here's a text. We were talking about um, the men's basketball team at UH. And uh, this texture says, this is the best men's basketball team since the Arnold era. I said that earlier. And, well... I, I, I wouldn't say the Arnold era because the year after Gib Arnold left, that was the same team. So this is the best, I would say this is the best basketball team, I think, since um, Iran Ganat's first year. Um, several years of men's volleyball draws bigger. The past several years of volleyball has drawn bigger. We were talking about the crowds. we got to get the volleyball fans to come to the men's basketball game. Marketing needs to do a better job promoting the team. He, he came back and texted, the basketball team members also have personalities, like more sec. More can be a magnet to draw more fans. Hot dogs and drinks for the students on Saturday. How about a karaoke contest, 15 seconds of fame for a cash prize? I like the thinking. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm saying almost anything, but I wish they would do something as far as having – interest created by having an offer of something like what the texter said or those theme nights that jamie smith made popular just something and the students have showed up more in certain games but there are some games where you get maybe 50 students there's some you get a couple hundred but remember and again the team was winning when jamie smith did what he did they were getting 800 to a thousand they actually ran out of the student section seats at one point during that season but of course winning helps still i think when you get that much interest generated different right. ways it helps too but but that's the point the team is winning so, yeah. you know, the crowd is there, though. I'll say it again. You guys are loud and proud. Way to go. Uh, we did get a text. We were talking about the shovel pass, mentioning that Nate Ilawa is the, uh, you know, if Michael Jackson's the king of pop, then Nate Ilawa is the king of the shovel pass. I did not realize this. Got a text. Other shovel pass players were, I think autocorrect got him here, uh, should say uh, Dane MacArthur and Jeff Seidner. Dane MacArthur. I remember him. That guy was great, man. I don't remember. I remember. But I don't remember. Shovel you weren't around. You were like living in New York City, going. No, to I was. Jeff I was probably in the Big Island then, but still. No, no, no. This is this is way back. But Jeff Seidner. I was here when Jeff Seidner played. No, no. Dane MacArthur is okay. what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I I heard people say Aloha, you. I don't get that. I was saying that um, when people when you if you're on the radio. And you're saying, you're signing off, so to speak. Say goodbye how you usually say goodbye. Don't be radio fake. Now, I apologize. I openly apologize to Josh Pacheco. Because one time I heard him say, so long, everybody. And I said, oh, faker. (laughs) But he doesn't do that all the time. He just does it once in a while. 
and so I apologize to Josh. And for you, I have to, I have to say this when you say, I mean, I, don't, I say aloha I don't a lot. I say goodbye. I just say, here's what's coming up next. But you also, in regular life, in regular life, and I hear you out and about, you'll say mahalo to people. So if you say that on the air, you're saying what you normally would say. At least I'm being, I say shoots more than anything. Shoots. Shoots. I don't remember hearing you say that. No, I don't say it to you because I say it to my <laughs> local friends. Uh, hey, Collahill High School is looking for a football coach if you want to apply for the job. Drop off your resume and references to Collahill High, uh, High School, care of the athletic director. Uh, you can email it. Uh, email if you want it. Uh, we'll give you the email. Just text us. But uh, I was wondering who the last coach was, and thank you for the text. The uh, Collahill coach was Nelson Maeva. What? No. He was the Collahill. Oh, that's right. Whatever. Remember he was at Castle for a long time? That's what I was saying. I thought I remember him at Castle. Yeah, okay, he was at Kalaheo. Uh Let's see, he also said, also, Favela was forced to publicly apologize for his comments about Nani Medeiros or risk being expelled from the Senate. I saw that. Really? Favela. Yeah, he came back the next day because he, he said she wasn't Hawaiian enough. I remember so that. So he had racial content. He had racial, he had, he, he broke Senate rules. You have to be professional. And he was very unprofessional when he said that she's, she's not Hawaiian. Oh, yeah, sure, she's Hawaiian. But she, anyway, he made a racial statement. So if he wanted to be a, a senator and continue to bully people around in life, he had to apologize. So he did apologize to her. I know Governor Josh Green wasn't happy with that. I didn't realize he apologized afterwards, though. Yeah, he was like this. He's like, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count. He's like, so apologize again. <laughs> What else like did he say? You're sorry. Ah, sorry. Oh, you get, you get so many chilita. <laughs> and I got to say sorry. What? Sorry? How's that? Huh? You feel better? <laughs> Favela. Can't get enough. <laughs> Love that guy. I can't get enough of him. But it's like the star advertising. He has like this pouty face in one photo. And that's the, the same photo they keep like, <laughs> He looks like just so upset. And that's the photo they keep posting of him. It's the same one, at least online. It's like, there's there's Grumpy Favela. Why can't you come here? What, you get COVID? Uh, let's see. Oh, here's one. Here's a text. Uh, it says, uh, I was talking about the Eagles and their coach. It says, really? Head cheerleader for the Eagles is from Hawaii, yeah. according to DeMello. Do we care? Rob sure, DeMello. I care. Why would we not care? Yeah, Rob DeMello had a feature. I think her name is Corinne or Corinne Chun. And I believe, yes, he had a feature on her the other day. I saw it on his Instagram page first. But I did see something on social media in the last year or two that there was a local, uh, uh, I'm not sure if she was a rainbow dancer before or a cheerleader here, maybe both. But she is with the Eagles, yes. That's pretty cool. Well, okay, well, that settles it. Because somebody asked me yesterday, uh, you know, who are you rooting for? I said, I don't got a dog in the fight. I love Jalen Hurts. I love what he's all about. Love to see him make $50 million a year. You know, uh, he's still making, on his rookie contract, making 4.2 next year. Well, they got to change that. He brought him to the Super Bowl. So I'd love to see, because of his work ethic and he's an all-around good guy, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. But at the same time, I'm rooting for Marcus Kemp. Ah, there we to, go. You know, but he's got a Super Bowl ring already. Jalen Hurts doesn't. and So I'm torn between two lovers. Feeling like a fool. <laughs> Loving you both is breaking all the rules. In the famous words of Mary McGovern, but the um, people who's Mary McGovern? Oh, I know who torn, it is, but 
That was a great song. <laughs> it was. That's what yeah. it was. It, it, 58 it, years it, ago. It, it came out in that must have been like 1974 or something. <laughs> yeah. Back when you were singing, Ooga Shaka, Ooga Shaka, Ooga, Ooga, Ooga Shaka. I heard that the other day, in fact, and I was thinking, what a great song. How do you write that lyric? Quick uh, uh, trivia question. Who sang that song? I can't stop this. Oh, wait. Um, I can't oh. stop this feeling. Blue not... Suede. Blue Suede. Blue Suede, yes. Oh, man. And they're one really big hit. Well, yes. but I, back to what I was talking about is I had no dog in the fight. I'm going for the Eagles. Going for the Eagles now because of uh, Corinne, Corinne Chun. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for Corinne. My, my sister lives She in doesn't South... have a Super Bowl ring yet. Probably I'm not. Sure. What if the cheerleaders get? I imagine they probably get something. My sister lives in South, South Jersey, and she was telling me yesterday that the supermarkets in South Jersey are all closing at 6 p.m. on Sunday, and the signs are up so their employees can watch the Super Bowl. It starts at 6.30 there. But the stores are closing early. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, I made a mistake. Somebody texted in and said, Dane MacArthur and Jeff Seidner both played on the 1989 UH football team that beat BYU. I had thought in my old man memory that Dane MacArthur played a few years before, but I am corrected, so thank you very much. Uh, Thank you guys for texting in. But the question is, really, and it comes up every year, should the Super Bowl, uh, the day after the Super Bowl, should that day be a holiday? Every Monday should be a holiday. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Just make it easy. Hey, uh, Alan Sunio is going to join us for a couple of minutes next. He's the race director of the Great Aloha Run. they got a lot of things coming up uh, this month. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, Monday, February 20th, President's Day. It's the 38, uh, 39th annual Hawaii Pacific Health Great Aloha Run. And a good friend of the show and the radio station, Alan Sunio, is the race director. He joins us now on the Aloha Kia Hotline. How's it going, Alan? Good morning. Good to good to hear your voice, man. It must be yeah. a crunch time. You guys must be super super busy. Oh yeah, it's um, yep. You're right. It's crunch time right now, and and thank you for having us on, having me on this morning, so that I can spread the word about. The Great Aloha Run. Right. Okay, so that's coming up. And what people really, I mean, we kind of know this, but I think we need to be reminded that, you know, there are just hundreds of charities over the years have benefited and continue to benefit from the Great Aloha Run. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, it's not just a run, but it's, it's a huge community fundraiser, and we've raised over $16 million since the first year that's gone out to about 150 local charities and organizations that, that need support. You know, organizations that can't normally get funding through Aloha United Way or are too small to get sponsorship. So we've been able to help organizations like this to survive. And it's, it's really actually after 39th year now, this is a tradition in our community. Yes, yes. And thanks to Carol's vision to, for making this happen, you know, it's, um, as I said, you know, it's helped a lot of people. And it's fun because it's for the family. Yeah, it is. And there's a couple of people I know that have been in every single uh, great Aloha run that's been out there from year one. So we got to keep that streak going. Hey, you know, there's also a couple of things around the great Aloha run, like coming up 
um, this Saturday. It's the uh, the 34th annual Silver Streak Sunrise Walk for Seniors. That's on Saturday. And then coming up on uh, Saturday the 18th, the Hawaii Pacific Health Keiki Great Aloha Run. Yeah, you know, we wanted to do something for everybody, and the, the seniors kind of wanted to have their own event, so the Silver Streaks was created. And, of course, you know, for the little kids that want to get out there, you know, we, we created the uh, Kiki Great Aloha Run. So both events are happening, the Silver Streaks, this Saturday, so we want to still invite some of you oldies to come out there, and then the kids will come out on the 18th at uh, uh, Magic Island. Okay, all right. And, oh, it's at Magic Island this year. That's good. And then, uh, okay, so now, if Hawaii, uh, somebody wants to get involved and they want to get uh, uh, in on the Hawaii Pacific Health Great Aloha Run, it's not too late to register, is it? No, it's not. So the, the only thing is if you can't register now, the only time you're going to be able to register after the 17th is going to be at our um, expo. Okay, and that's coming up Saturday and Sunday, the 18th and 19th at the Blaisdell, right? Yes. Okay, so but deadline to enter is the 17th, and you can do that online at greataloharun.com. Correct, yeah, up to the 17th. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I, uh, I, I did the Great Aloha Run a, a number of years ago, and well, it was a walk for me, and then I had holes <laughs> in my shoes. And it was raining. By the time I got to Aloha Stadium, my feet were torn apart. It was horrible. But then I came back. Okay, during the pandemic, you could do it on your own time. So I am staring right now in my home office. 2021 finisher medal. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Hey, anything else? You know, okay, so we got the expo coming up too—not uh, this weekend, but next weekend. Anything else you want to add, Alan, to let people know about this uh, great event? Well, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun activities at the expo, so we want to encourage people to come down. And of course, the participants will be coming down to the expo to pick up their um, racing number. Mm-hmm. This year, it's a little bit different because we're finishing in the lower halava lot. So the participants will actually pick up their finishers T-shirt and their uh, fabulous medal at mm. the expo this year because we don't we're not going to be finishing inside the stadium, right? So we're we're cutting back on some of the distribution areas at the stadium, and so we're doing the T-shirts and the medals at the expo. Okay, okay, so that's good. And um, if you want to be a po- poser like Gary, you would just show up, get your medal, <laughs> and then tell everyone that you finished it. I'm just kidding, but no, but. Uh, that's a good thing, and, and the reason being is that Aloha Stadium inside is not available, of course, anymore. So that's why they're doing a little bit different this year. But anyway, Alan, it was great to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk to you again before the race starts. We'll see you at the Expo. It's going to be good fun. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, that's Alan Sunio, the race director for the Great Aloha Run. That's all the time we have today. So long, everybody. Kaden.